This episode is brought to you by Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for content creators like you to bring your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Head to storyblocks.com slash 302010. That's storyblocks.com slash 302010. And let them help tell your story. Watch out for Stallone's mom, Anne Rice's theatrical follow-up, and The Simpsons have a lot to celebrate this week on 302010. 30, Hello everyone and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a little fun-filled journey across three decades in uh, mostly pop culture time. Uh, if you don't know where we are right now, February 18th to the 24th in uh, 2022, so we're going to take a look back 30, 20, and 10 years ago. That means the same week in 1992, 2002, and... Uh, 2012. There, I almost did it flawlessly. God, I suck at this still. How? So, welcome. Welcome to this episode. The movies here are, some of them are splendidly bad. And so, some of them, <laughs> and The Simpsons have just two absolute major milestones in two different decades, which is not something most uh, narrative shows will ever get to celebrate. Um, Ooh. It's pretty amazing uh, 30, when 302010 gets to celebrate the same show in a different decade. But yeah, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I think the greatest British Prime Minister of all time was Pitt the Elder. Lord Palmer! <laughs> I'm J.R. Rawls, and I say England's greatest Prime Minister was Lord Palmerston. Pitt <laughs> the Elder! Lord Palmerston! <laughs> I actually do have strong thoughts on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> just just to make the joke not work, um, I really do seriously care about this. Man, so Simpsons fans already know where we're headed in this very segment. But beginning as we always do, 1992. Oh, I should say this show is executive produced by Richard Sansom. Thank you very much to him and all our patrons at patreon.com slash later time. You get a bunch of bonus episodes this week, a bunch of video game music to celebrate, and... <sighs> Uh, a trigger warning, but a, 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 an immediate story about how I saved one of my male friends from sexual assault. Um, I have not had to get physical with anybody in a very long time. And, and instantly have even more sympathy for ladies out there trying to date in public. Holy shit. Ugh, Didn't yep. just a, rem, a, a decade remind every decade or so I need a reminder there are asshole guys out there. And boy, did I get one this weekend. So <laughs> patreon.com slash later time for that tale. Hey, it's 1992. That's where we are. Stealing from Wayne's World. Uh, February 18th to the 24th. I, I, again, I, I want to thank everybody for the feedback. A movie, like, a movie like Wayne's World really brings out positive feedback for the show. I, I don't take any credit personally. It's just that Wayne's World is magic. And, and, and it's just... <laughs> I, I learned so much about ancillary Wayne's World properties. Finding out, was it King's Dominion? The, the, oh, the theme the, park? The theme park that had like a, yeah. a the the hurler, the hurler yes. poster, and a whole themed area that had you know uh, Stan Makita's donuts and everything. It was like wow. Uh, I learned from the Laser Time Facebook community that Tia Carrera's band Crucial Taunt had a music video for Ballroom Blitz that Wayne and Garth are in, and it just. I love finding forgotten lost relics with my favorite characters in them. And it's just, it's like new material you've never seen before in this music video. And of course, it had a Canadian watermark in it. I, I, otherwise, I would have seen it. I was so obsessed. Bought every DVD. Anyway, 
1992. We're living in a post Wayne's World world or uh, post Wayne's World land. February 18th to the 24th. Man, it, it, this might be a pretty definitive cultural transition from Wayne's World. A movie about metalheads and people who love Queen and the shitty Beatles. But this week, Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love get married. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That. It's a map written in the stars. It is. At this point, all but certain that Courtney Love was the one who introduced Kurt to heroin. Mm. Um, she gave an interview in which she said she used heroin while pregnant with his kid. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and they almost lost custody of their kid because of that, uh, but it didn't happen. And then two years and two months from this day, that'll be it. Wow. God damn. It's difficult to think about. Courtney Love. Yeah. A true mess, but... Uh, as everything I've watched and read, don't believe she's a murderer, and it's kind of silly to think she is. No. So, yeah. Come on. Yes. Yeah, that's. I, I've heard some theories, and some roadie said something, and it's like, yeah, nope. no. <laughs> she was desperate for fame, but yes. not that kind of And thing. the whole point of her being a mess means... She can't pull anything like this off and not get caught. Like that's no. Have you watch her on the roast? It's like there's no way this woman can pull off a conspiracy and get away with it and still make money off Nirvana. The world just wouldn't allow it. There's got to be some. You have to have some faith in some of our institutions. Courtney Love, not a murderer. Because I, I saw, I've seen those movies in the theater, <laughs> and just like mm. I'm just sitting there like this is riveting, but. Come on, come on, that can't be. And then a story I'd never heard of uh, this week in 1992. We've talked about this story. Have we? We did because there is that made for, I think, Showtime movie with those Estevez brothers. Oh, Rated X. Yeah. Rated X. Uh, Porn producer Jim Mitchell found guilty of killing his brother, Adi. Adi Mitchell, dead. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, he only he was found, I think, involuntary manslaughter because Artie was super high on drugs mm-hmm. all the time, had a major, major cocaine problem. And Jim said, ah, I, he, I feared for my life going over to his house to see how he was doing. So I shot him through a door. It's like <laughs> not cool. But yeah, the Mitchell brothers, they have the landmark Mitchell Brothers O'Farrell Theater in lovely San Francisco, they produced Behind the Green Door, which is a incredibly popular porn film. Is that what Leonardo any... DiCaprio was singing about in Once Upon a Time I, in Hollywood? I know. No, that's totally unrelated. Behind yeah, the Green Door. That, that's all I can think about. <laughs> but it's, it's, an, it's a hell of a story. Wow. Uh, it's interesting. And yeah, that rated X TV movie is pretty good. Yeah. Mejo Estevez, not a bad director. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just have to do this. Uh, Diana, can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I, can I finish the news? Because uh, Texas billionaire Ross Perot announces he's running for president. And I can't think of a more one, a more captivating character. A like if Mike Lindell were harmless, like that that it's that's like Ross Perot. I'm running for president. I know how. I'm going to buy out TV airtime, hours of TV airtime for millions of his own dollars to block me watching Full House and Fresh Prince on multiple networks. To talk about how he's going to fix the world when he becomes president. It seems yeah. insane to it's think about. We crazy. all live through it. Him running third party yes, is the thing that party. seems crazy. I can do it. Now, you would think he would just run as a Republican or even run as a Democrat, but he's totally way more Republican. Yeah. But yeah, he's a self made billionaire and he decides, I'm going to fix it. I'm not going to get the <laughs> nomination, but I'm going to somehow throw as much money at this election as I can to win anyway. Well, he always loved. Pl- publicity like this was the first i had ever heard of the man oh yeah but apparently he helped rescue hostages in iran with his own money 
and has done a lot of crazy other things. I was uh, a producer on Argo. Uh, before he ran for president. Uh, the environment he's running for president in, trust in the government was at 22%. Uh, to put that in perspective, today it is at 23%. Oh, wow. so, good Lord. Wow. And this is still, we're coming off of, we had a big fancy popular war a year ago where Bush was yeah, pulling like but... 90% approval. It gets down in the memory hole, but the early 90s recession was a yep. slammer. It really just was not good. Mm. Nope. Bring you maybe a little further back in time 30 years ago, because my memories of, if you were a kid like me, your memories of this might be a little more vivid. The U.S. Postal Service unveils two Elvis stamps, and they ask the public to vote on the designs. I think we were at the tail end of people being, gen like a lot of people being genuine stamped collectors, but this was yeah. still... This was yeah. still national news for what felt like months. Yeah, they're trying to drum up more interest by having like more popular, interesting things on stamps. Yes. And yes. this and is probably cool. peak Elvis fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, Elvis merchandise has collapsed in value in uh, the 21st century because I, I love all the people up... who like Elvis <laughs> are dying. I, I remember, uh, I, remember I went to a... By new people. I went to a pool store... Uh, looking for some stupid thing, and then there's like this whole clearance section of Elvis-related personal pool stuff. And then I <laughs> went home the same day, read this article about how all Elvis memorabilia is just plummeting in value because the yeah. people, the people who care, are no longer alive or have enough, and it in cheap shit like this just isn't going to do it for them. But in 1992, it was still very much like yeah. buy those Elvis commemorative plates because mm -hmm. they will. Uh, Increase in value forever and ever, <laughs> just like Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, buy these. You can eat off these NFTs. And, and then... The the designs, though, I appreciate what they were trying to do, that there's a younger Elvis and there's more of a middle-aged Elvis. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why are you even asking? We want young, hot Elvis. Yeah. Right? We want blue suede so... shoes Elvis. We do not want, I'm forgetting the words, to... Uh, I'd, I'd say speak for yourself. That is the only Elvis I am interested in. The one, I, am, the, I love both. Jumpsuited, giant sideburn, lapels as far as the eye can see. It set up so many jokes for late night comedians. It did. Because oh, yes. that's what I remember. Uh, yep. Just joke after joke after joke. Do you want the old Elvis, fat, or do you want young and slim? I remember that was like half the monologues. Yeah, yeah. And it's like if you lick the back of the fat Elvis stamp, it tastes like gravy, that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, and then I just threw this in here because it's important to me. And I remember my dad telling me about it. Ted Turner making waves in television yet again. And he announces his all 24-hour cartoon channel will be coming this October. Um, he has acquired, remember like a few weeks ago, he acquires all of Hanna-Barbera. And he's licensed almost all MGM's cartoons and most of the Warner Brothers cartoons. And man, an entire channel of all that. Count me in. And then I saw it and realized, not only do I not like the Flintstones, I hate Roman Holiday and like all those other Flintstones ripoffs so much more, and they're on every day. Ooh, okay, let's get into the movies for this week because they are nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, I knew that like all of these were coming up and we get to talk about them. And I didn't realize they'd all be together. Yeah, they're all very strange. A movie I. When going over this doc uh, two days ago, I'm like, this is the one I should have fucking watched because this movie seems crazy. Yeah. Carrie, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, Carrie Fisher, uh, Gabby Hoffman. The only clips you can find on the internet of this are from a Gabby Hoffman fan channel because it's not, it's, I don't think it's ever been on official DVD. Samantha Mathis mm -hmm. and starring Julie Kavner. And I think one of her only like 
I am the star of this movie. She's been a star of a couple Woody Allen films and sitcoms, but JR even has a note here like we people at my age only know her as Marge Simpson. 100%. And, it is so weird to hear Marge's voice come out of a human. Mm-hmm. It, it like does not commute in my brain. And she like, talks slower and quieter as Marge, but it's very clear she's the voice. Like, I don't know who's more obvious, her, Yardley Smith, as their Simpsons voices. But yeah, a movie starring her with a bunch of other people I like uh, about a single mom becoming a stand-up comedian and the directorial debut of Nora Ephron. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's that ends up actually being the headline. It's in the it? fucking trailer. Like, uh, finally, Nora Ephron has her own movie. I'm like, holy shit, all right. We realize this is a <laughs> good deal in 1992. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's oh, had she's written a whole bunch of hits. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Julie Kavner, I mean, she's had decent sized parts, mostly in Woody Allen films, but mm-hmm. nothing where she's clearly the main character the and absolutely the star. And so that's kind of cool. I mean, that like makes it an oddity no matter what. Like, oh, shit, Julie Kavner, movie star. Yeah, and but uh, then you still hear her talking to her kids, and you're like, I'm just imagining them as cartoon characters. Oh, I can't. Me. I, can't. Uh, I believe we have a little clip here. I was sent off to camp. Raise your hand if you've heard this story before. Everyone else spent the summer doing archery. I spent the summer looking in the mirror, and I realized this is it. You'd better make the best of it. And ever since, I have made the best of it, with only a brief detour into total folly. But let's leave your father out of this. Very, very Marge. You could hear Marge yeah. saying that. Yeah. yeah. It's surprising. It's a little... In Marge's more lucid moments. Yeah, it's like that's a speech she would give. Yeah. I feel like she's talking to Lisa, not the girl from Pump Up the Volume. It's freaking <laughs> me out, man. And, and I wanted to see it because I don't remember who presented this to me it was just something i'd never heard laid out like that like among the many reasons the field of stand-up comedy is not appealing to women try and think of how many female stand-up comedians you can think of who have children Mm. it's like Uh. it's almost especially if yeah if like if you're totally in that business it is not conducive to being a mother of of any kind constant travel working nights just doesn't work yeah every time i see someone like Talking about you have a kid and like, good for you for getting the fuck up here. I don't know how you figured it out because uh, I tried it and I couldn't do it. As, by that, I mean stand up and fatherhood. No, I <laughs> just stand up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I left my kids to do podcasts 24-7. <laughs> but, but yeah, stand up's always something I've really loved. And I love almost any movie about stand up, even the really bad ones. Mm. So this is my life. Yeah. And every, every review of this is like, it's fine. Yeah. Not great. Not bad. Just sort of fine. Yeah. No big I, surprises. And it's like, okay. I think you can rent it plenty of places. It's just sort of a bummer. It's only been like a MOD manufacturer on demand. We'll burn a disc for you <laughs> if you give us thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. It's never been commercially available. And I've never I've never heard of it before this moment. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really wish I would have watched This Is My Life starring Marge Simpson as a stand up comic. Because she does Marge doing a bunch of stand-up comedy. It's really hard to find clips of this thing. Uh, uh, and now it, we keep talking about this, and I don't want to harp on it too long, but we're in some kind of transition when it comes to how films look. And mm-hmm. this looked to me like a very much an 80s movie. This is my mm-hmm. life, the way it mm-hmm. shot. A lot of, uh, what do you call that? Just people are smaller in the frame, and uh, the film stock looks different. And then Radio Flyer 
which is out the same week, feels like a total 90s movie. A movie I watched over and over again, very tragic. I forgot it was Adam Baldwin. <laughs> Adam Baldwin in the role he was born to play, an asshole. John Hurd, <laughs> R.I.P., Lorraine Bracco, Joseph Mazzello, Elijah Wood, Radio Flyer. It was a time when imagination was power. Sound of Radio Flyer. When brothers learned to count on each other. Hey, I'm talking to you. Listen to me. And when a big idea came from a little red wagon. Radio Flyer, powered by imagination, rated PG-13. Ooh, I'm sure we've so, all seen this, right? Powered have... by an unreliable narrator. <laughs> I have thoughts, people. Yeah, yeah. Lots and lots of thoughts. My, okay. uh-huh. my, my this was the oh. first time I'd ever seen it. Okay. Um, last year, when we talked about All I Want for Christmas, I mm-hmm. said that uh, the theme of having children getting their parents back together through the power of love is actively harmful. It's a bad yeah. message to tell the kids to divorce. And I yeah. said, the only worse message I could think of would be if you had a film that was pro-children's suicide. And I said that as a joke. But this is a pro-children's suicide film. This is the heartwarming story of two brothers and how one helps the other brother commit suicide. It's it's a very... To escape their abusive stepdad. Yeah, to remove all the magical realism from it. Yes, I guess so. Yeah, you can Uh, absolutely read it that way but yeah the idea that oh these two kids are being abused and so the answer is not to get out of this situation in any way but to you know just go into the world of imagination and then imagine that they fly away but what kind of metaphor are we talking here i think that somebody died yeah yeah Either this film is telling kids, don't ever tell adults if you're being abused, just kill yourself. Or Mm -hmm. it's telling kids, don't ever tell adults, other adults, that you're being abused by someone. Run away. Either of those messages is actively harmful. Yeah. I think that this whole movie good message and I think even just help your younger sibling run away and you can just stay and take it like like again actively (laughs) harmful yeah like like and like most people I I think I saw this you know afternoons on HBO because this wasn't a huge box office success where it plays in the slots where kids movies go And, and and seeing it now like this is not a kids movie it is not made for kids at all. I don't know who this is made yeah, for it's, because it, it's far too serious. serious and dour for kids. And by the way, I actually watched this with my son oh, no. and instantly regretted it. <laughs> I was 100% lying to him at the end of this movie. I was like, oh, yeah, that kid, he flew away on his magical thing. And my son's very inquisitive, so he started asking questions. Well, how did he make money as a kid? Oh, uh, he circus right on his magical flying uh, uh, wagon. Oh, no. That's what he did. Oh, no. Yeah, because the subject matter here what is... What am I going to say? He died at the end? We, Jesus. We have... You know, death solves all your problems, kids. The, the perspective... the message of the film. The perspective here is exclusively from the children's point of view, and that kid is... I don't know. I just remember other films being a little more subtle when a kid is being beat up by his stepdad, but this is just so explicit that, like, I wouldn't show this to kids the age of the kids in this movie and expect them to like it. 
or not no be totally me. disturbed by it. Uh, it yeah, does amaze I... me that there's only seven years between the release of this film and the start of filming of Lord of the Ring. Wow. And like <laughs> Elijah Wood had a intense seven years there because he is such a child, child, child in this film. Yeah. And one year before his brother will be tortured by dinosaurs. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Little Joseph Masello. <laughs> this little kid from uh, Jurassic Park. I know. So this is like a super team up of child actors right here. I like how they paper over any questions you might have by having uncredited Tom Hanks as the grown up kid just be like, well, yes. that's how I remember it. Yes. Like, okay. That's how you remember the traumatic experience of your brother dying because that's totally what happened. I, I, I uh, do have another thought. I have a clip here. The movie uh, starts out with a totally unrelated boy 10 years prior to the events of the film uh, doing an insanely dangerous stunt and getting severely hurt in the process. Oh, Later on, when the kids are trying to fill up their wagon full of gasoline to fly away, uh, they encounter this kid, now a 20-year-old, who is crippled for life. Yeah. And you can see it. It's quite clear that he has not fully recovered. He's working a not great job. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's 20 years old. I'm sure being stuck in a small town with a crippling injury, probably his parents lost all their savings uh, saving him. Mm -hmm. um, and then he sees another kid obviously going to recreate the stunt that ruined his life and he gives him this advice at the bottom just before you grab air ease off don't pull up you stall out the angle's too great you got it this is advice if, to the little kid from if, jurassic park yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. if, if turning you, the red wagon into a plane mm -hmm. if you had been crippled as a 10 year old and you're now 20 and you see another 10 year old going to do the same thing you did wouldn't you just like shake them and slap them and say this is stupid and dumb Called i'm stealing your wagon fuck you yeah. kid small town i'd call their parents yeah or pay them or a visit. something of that nature uh, i mean jesus this guy is giving nothing but suicide advice which is why i think this is a pro children's suicide it's... film I never read it that way. I, as a little kid, I always thought it was very pleasant. But then, like seeing it now, one, I think the the abuse is too frank for, mm. to to have. I, I probably shouldn't have been watching it myself. But if we haven't said this, the kids, in order to escape being victimized by their drunken stepdad, build a plane out of their wagon, the radio flyer, and eventually the the smaller kid, the more abused one, the one with the bruises, flies away and is never seen again. <laughs> and, and so I, I, no, I never, I never interpreted that way. But like, there's a narrator there telling you, I never saw him again. Yep. And so, but it could be a metaphor. For I, what a brother who never writes. Yeah, he writes. I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, the narrator's so unreliable that maybe they're actually older kids and they're just remembering <laughs> it this way. They're actually teenagers. I don't know. I also don't know why Richard Donner wanted to direct this, R.I.P. I... Originally, the writer was supposed to direct it. It's also the guy, he gets his shot next year with Sandlot, which Amazing. is a better movie from a kid's point of God, view. God, this feels a lot like Sandlot, too. Um, yeah. An adult narrating the perspective of a child. Yeah. yeah. But I like this at the time, but I am... Kind of with JR on this, there's probably a little too much that's unsettling for uh, adults and children viewers. <laughs> Which is why I don't know who it was made for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? You know, honestly, maybe the only people I can think of is people my dad's age who were just like mercilessly beaten and had fantasies like Jenny from Forrest Gump 
and just wanted to wanted to get away. I'm not kidding. Like mm-hmm. you know, you hear like your quintessential version of like a Republican dad of a child our age has a lot of shitty stories about bad parents. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it seriously, it may have been more <laughs> present enough to make this a mainstream affair. But like, yeah, now it it's one of the oddest movies. I have seen not hold up for reasons I did not expect because I thought this was the <laughs> shit when I was a little kid. I and... think it's the evilest movie I've seen. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, that's probably like the most vast disagreement that we've had on the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought it was the shit. I thought it was irresponsible and monstrous. Uh, but radio... and I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Would you recommend um, it before? We're for oh, the next good. movie. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, I want to talk about there's your Sophie's choice. This is this is insane. And look at look at <laughs> look at this cast here. You might get excited for a second, but don't. Richard Schiff, Thing Rames, what? Uh, Roger Rees, Al right. Fan, Joe Beth Williams, Estelle Getty, yes. what? Sophie Sophia Petrello, uh, and then Sylvester Stallone. Oh no, you know where this is going. Stop, or my mom will shoot. The cops need her. Your mom witnessed a murder. Crooks fear her. I have a good mind to take your pants down and give you a spanking you'll never forget. She's good in the kitchen. Breakfast! And bad on the streets. You put a machine gun off the back of a van? I wanted it to be a surprise. It is! Would you like me to drive? No! Sylvester Stallone. Green Laker, stop! Estelle Getty. <laughs> stop. I'm a mobile shoot! Ready PG-13. I, I was still... Aghast when there was actually a titular line in this movie, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And just as far as bizarre cop team ups go, I'm like, I didn't think there was anything that was gonna like be harder to buy than the premise of like Theodore Rex. Or, or... <laughs> but man, do I want to tell you this notoriously bad movie is so bad it's great? But man, it is just plain bad. Like I have gotten a huge kick. During this time period, watching shit like Prayer for the Roller Boys and uh, what was that Charlie Sheen action movie or uh, um, Marlboro Man and Harley Davidson? Like, oh god, totally yeah. fun to watch. This is not fun to watch in any way and doesn't succeed Ooh. on any level. And everybody mm-hmm. seems miscast, including the late great Estelle Getty. Can I read you a quote from Sylvester Stallone? Yes, please. Ooh, <laughs> I think I the know worst film I've ever made by far. Maybe one of the worst films in the entire solar system, including alien productions we've never seen. A flatworm could write a better script than Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. In some countries, China, I believe, running Stop or My Mom Will Shoot once a week on government television has lowered the birth rate to zero. If they ran it twice a week, I believe in 20 years, China would be extinct. (laughs) Crazy. I remember when you wrote that, too. Uh, In in some ways... It is kind of a seeing is believing. Yeah. Like, it's okay. so fucking what were they thinking? Yeah, you should like you maybe should it, it is a definition of like it is not so bad it's good. It's not no, fun, no. but it is like no, it's not fun. so egregiously bad it's been talked about for thirty years. But you can see what they were thinking. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Um I, yeah, yeah. Th- this the concept, a cop and his overbearing mother, mm-hmm. you instantly know how that film is going you instantly know what type of film you're going to get with the title stop or my mom i did i did i still did not expect where they were taking it that the mom overbearing mother would accidentally wash his gun leave the house in los angeles by herself to buy him a new gun witness a mafia murder and then somehow like unspokenly get teamed up with her son to bring down the killers 
it's which is never explicitly said at all anyway, but she just accompanies him everywhere. I, I just think this it, this deserved, no offense to Estelle Getty, but like she's not over the top enough. You want like a Melissa McCarthy type, uh, someone like who's really fucking insane and hmm. really quirky where she is just like a very nice, attentive <laughs> older mother. She's a lot like like my grandma, but not funny enough or catalytic enough to, to move these scenes forward. It's all Sylvester Stallone can do is react, but he sucks. Well, yeah. Sylvester Stallone has never made a good comedy. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. Oscar, Art, was, maybe Oscar so- was better than I was expecting, but mm-hmm. it is so old fashioned slapstick that I, I don't think it's for anybody. I want to vouch maybe- for last year's the suicide or suicide squad. Uh, oh, he's it- had, Cameos. That's yes, different yeah. than like a Sylvester Stallone comedy. He appears in it as like a bit part. He, yes. he can do that in funny, but he's never yeah. carried an entire mm-hmm. comedic film well. And no. again, that I don't I this doesn't sound true, but it sounds wonderful. He was in such a race with Arnold Schwarzenegger to get the best parts. What do you want, Jr. Do you want to say something? This is true. This the, is a hundred like, percent. It's confirmed I, by both of them. Uh, he was told Arnold Schwarzenegger was circling this project, but he had a crack at it. And like, I'm going to fight for this. No, Arnold doesn't get this. I want this. And then later, he said Arnold told him, "Yes, I very much pretended to be interested in this." So Stallone would jump on this fucking shitty grenade, and and it worked. And it worked. Yeah, look, kindergarten most... cop sounds terrible too, but that this, worked out. The, so uh, this is also that's produced what he's trying to do. produced by the late Ivan Reitman, our Ooh. very new I- R.I.P. But it is the most epic troll in all of Hollywood. Yes. Seriously, <laughs> this movie was made so that Arnold could laugh at Sly. That's why it was made. He he just wanted him to make a horrible, horrible movie, and he succeeded. I think you can you can see like just in a in a smaller world, men watch action movies, women watch dramas, and like, well, what if what if you got <laughs> an action cop movie with a woman in it? Then you can combine both audiences. It's very cynical. And I, Estelle Getty, just, I had to read about her. That woman wasn't famous till she was 60. This is in her top four on IMDb because mm. it's, it's like her only was, starring role. She was yeah. the only one punished for this film. Everyone else huh. failed upwards. Uh, mm-hmm. Sly went on to do great things. The screenwriter huh. of this bomb <laughs> went on to write the most famous book about screenwriting yes. in all of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Save the cat. This, Yep, mm-hmm. save the cat. Mm-hmm. I but, uh, was shocked to see that. I was like, you son of a bitch went if, back and gave it another try after you got paid for this. If you look at <laughs> I had to read losses and run. I had to read about that guy. He has sold like dozens of screenplays. There was a bidding war on this screenplay alone to half a million dollars of nineteen ninety one money. Oh, uh, only two of those movies were made. <laughs> Blank check. In this film. If you apply the lessons of Save the Cat to this film, you can instantly make it much, much better. Uh, (laughs) Using the book Save the Cat, you could see what does Sly learn? Nothing. Nothing. He really Hmm. doesn't really learn anything. So what you needed to do... I guess I do love my mom. But he already loved his (laughs) mom. He just was... Yeah. You need to start him out as a man-child or a slob or someone unable to hold a relationship. His world needs to be fucked up and his mom coming in needs to unfuck his fuck. That's yeah. basic save the cat stuff that is not applied in this movie. Yeah, instead it's it's like rapping granny for like 90 minutes. It is fucking mm-hmm. she occasionally fires a gun and I think they think that is supposed to make us laugh every time it happens. Can you believe it? Fucking Sophia Petrilla oh. holding a gun. 
Oh, but that time where she holds the gun and she's instead of saying, go ahead, make my day, she says, go ahead, make your bed. Ah, 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 it, ah, this ah. is so Someone awful. Someone was paid. This is so this. awful. Someone um, with more money than you, the listener. <laughs> and I and I almost paid for this. This is not streaming free anywhere but stars. And I'm not paying for fucking stars. This a genuinely terrible movie that is not fun to watch. But mm. if you want to see something like... Le- legitimately terrible like really 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 terrible not like eh, i didn't like eternals that much eternals is citizen kane compared to this movie man like this is a genuinely bad movie not even fun bad yeah i I don't recommend uh, it for a bad movie night i mean it's only interesting as like a screenplay critique movie like you could watch (laughs) this to see its flaws to learn how not to make those flaws that would be a great thing that they could teach in screenwriting class besides the stave the cat formula of mm-hmm. like here we're I'm going to assign you a terrible movie and you tell me how you'd fix it. Yeah. That's yeah. a great idea. All right. Uh cool. yeah, fuck stop my mom or shoot. I think yeah, watch uh <laughs> like a 5 minute clip just and then your mind will be blown of how does this exist? Why? Yeah, Ooh, you just it's what, where? most mostly it's like why is it happening? My mom's not supposed to be here like over and over again like this sucks. And, they, yeah. and there's a scene where he's like, wearing oh, a diaper. Excuse me, criminal. Be nice to my boy. Like, oh my god, why? Oh my god, it just seems like it seems like little if if those movies in Adam Sandler's Funny People came to life 100%. and became whole. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's just it's, it's so unbelievably bad. I didn't mean to be a cop <laughs> with my mom. <laughs> I understood this reference. God damn it! And uh, do we move on to television? Are we good on oh, a yes. to stop your mom yes, will yes. shoot. Because oh, this week is the debut of I don't did I watch the eyewitness video? It debuts on NBC this week. YouTube before YouTube. That's all mm-hmm. it is. It's mm. just uh, videos from around the country, either people filming their house floating away in a flood, or security cam footage, or stuff of that nature. And it's just like I, you have no other yeah. way to watch this other than primetime TV. Here you go. Yeah, it's it's America's scariest home videos yeah <laughs> and, and I, it's yeah. not the funny ones no. it's the like oh my god ones which I, is now like three different channels that's just all they do i think i remember my parents watching this because i remember them trying to explain to me the title like no 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 not like eyeball eyewitness <laughs> i was like what does that mean eyewitness video we all witness i don't get it but yeah i know i know i was watching this somewhere and i have a vague recollection of the logo but again i'm 11 moving on to one of the biggest things in television history, I believe. The reason why so many nerds know, like, exactly for <laughs> baseball players from 30 years ago. Well, I hear, here, I, from my perspective, and my perspective isn't everyone's, I understand that, but I'm 11, I'm a budding nerd, and kids are kind of growing up a little bit, growing out of cartoons. We're still in the monoculture. A lot of people are kind of into baseball, and even if you weren't, like, knowing baseball players was unavoidable. You'd see posters in your school for sale at the book fair. Like I don't encounter, I couldn't name you a single player in the Super Bowl last week, but like (laughs) I, I I knew of pretty much everybody here and I don't want to single the man out. Steve Sachs. I don't know him from anything other than this. And he was there at the baseball hall of fame to present this award. And like, you better because like, I remember your name forever because of the Simpsons episode, Homer at the bat. Everybody else die. I knew of everybody else. Oh, you were, you were already a, a Clemens or Shosha, Shosha fan. Yes. Yeah. And like my, my dad, like he would always like watch, watch Ozzy Smith, like do his backflips to the, the shortstop or whatever he would do. Like, yeah, like there wasn't, if you didn't have cable, there wasn't much else to watch on TV, but 
baseball a lot of the time. I didn't like it. I didn't because love it. Because there's 300 games yeah. per <laughs> yes. month and, and, and per just team. As uh, baseball cards, I did like collecting cards, but I didn't like watching games. So I had friends who would tell me who the good guys were. And it's such a stat sport. Uh, and speaking of stats, Chris, yes, how many of the eight misfortunes can you name off the top of your head? Um, punched out, falling down the mystery spot, jail, uh, quitting. Uh, how many are we at now? Uh, four. <laughs> four. Quitting. Um, no? Oh, I know one. What's help me out can here? I add one. Nerve yeah. tonic. Yes. Nerve tonic. <laughs> We're at five. Nerve tonic. Um. Fired? Uh, I, I'd say he quit rather than okay. Fired. Mattingly quits. Yeah. Uh, Canseco. What does Canseco do? Um, shit. No, I guess I because I, I did not watch this because I've seen this one hundred thousand times. <laughs> oh, I remember what Canseco does. What? Isn't he he saves a woman from a fire and he keeps saving a woman from a fire? Yes. <laughs> he has to keep <laughs> the washer's supposed things. to go on the left. And what? Are, and yeah. that was six. Uh, what are we missing? You're missing Roger Clemens was hypnotized into thinking he's a chicken. He was a chicken. Yeah. And Mike Socha. suffers Socha. radiation poisoning. Right, right. Poor Mike. Because <laughs> he actually works at the plant. Because yeah. he's he loves being it. good. Because yeah, if you haven't figured it out by now, the plot is that uh, they're going to have a Springfield nuclear plant softball team, and they're sick of losing, so they just bring in a bunch of uh, actual players. <laughs> and um... and then terrible things happen to all of them, and all but one. Uh, uh, because Burns says, I'd like to see nine misfortunes happen. Yes. But he's right. Nine misfortunes don't. don't happen. Daryl Only gets, eight. Daryl gets to stay. What clip well, do we want to play from this? He was mad because, you know, Honus Wagner and Shulis Joe Jackson were <laughs> <laughs> My God. And what, what clip do we want to play from this? Um, oh, there's so many great ones. There are so many. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? Because I, I know it. Players. We are, are all very, very good, good players. players. You will beat Shelbyville. We, we will beat Shelbyville. You will give 110%. That's impossible. No, no one can give more than 100%. By definition, that is the most anyone can give. <laughs> this lives rent-free in my brain. Anytime, anytime someone says to give 110%, I have to like bite my tongue to avoid saying... That's impossible. You can only <laughs> give 100% by definition. That is the most anyone can give. Oh, man. I, I just like I just like yelling at hipsters about their, their sideburns. Sideburns! <laughs> uh, so this was also the first time that The Simpsons ever beat out the Cosby Show in yep. ratings. Oh, by a lot. Damn. By like, yeah. I, I think, a, a third, a full third. And Cosby Show would, I think, go immediately back to beating them again. But you, oh, yeah. I, I don't think you can misstate the importance of having nine household names from different teams. That Like Space Jam has fewer celebrities, uh, fewer <laughs> athletes in it than this yeah, episode of point. The Simpsons. And it has become so popular, and I, I loved reading about this, so mystifying to people internationally who couldn't give two fucks about baseball. Because <laughs> it's, it's littered with references to... The biggest baseball movies from before 1991, because this took an extra long time in production. So I think one of the references is from like a movie from 1946. Shrug. Don't know what that is. But I have mm -hmm. also, one time when I was in a library, I was so bored, I started reading the novelization of The Natural. I have never seen it. But I know. Oh, yeah. Robert, I get to see it either. Yeah. Robert yeah. Redford's The Natural. Wonder Boy. Music and uh, moments are parodied throughout this episode. Almost no one I know gets it. This, oh, 
even I'm such a dork that even I got it at the time. And yeah, there's like a Pride of the Yankees joke in there. There's the Mighty Casey joke in there. But yeah, when that music starts hitting, because the end of The Natural is like movie magic, mm -hmm. right? You know, hits the ball and it hits the lights and the lights explode as he runs through the sparks. And in this one, like they do the whole same thing, except Homer's prone body is the same thing of like he carved his own bat from a tree that got hit by lightning. And so I made my own bat in shop class. What? We were all Ooh. assigned to the project and I 100% chose bat because of this episode. I just <laughs> was like, well, obviously I'll make my bat and it'll be awesome and I'll be like Homer. And it was not. I'm going to make a bat and then lie and say, no, I was trying to make a representative cheeto neanderthal club uh because <laughs> i can't do woodworking uh and, always, but but, but more... get the two references confused that and the uh the chili festival episode where it's like his spoon that he carved from a larger spoon <laughs> he's got some woodworking <laughs> skills but, but how how about this because this this right. blows my mind every time mm. i i had to look this up myself the terry cashman song talking mm. baseball yeah. i had never heard it before I've watched this episode 100,000 times. On the rare occasion, I hear Terry Cashman's talking baseball and not talking softball, which recaps this episode. The guy who recorded the song recorded the official <laughs> Simpsons parody version. That's how big The Simpsons was. In addition to these nine biggest athletes in baseball, records a talking softball version. And every time, and it's very rare, I just happen to watch Jackass 3. So when Chris Pontius hits a ping pong ball with his dick, they play a bit of talking baseball. And I'm like, the lyrics are wrong. <laughs> No, those are the original <laughs> lyrics. Just the same guy resung talking softball. And I he, I believe he's quoted as saying talking softball gets requested on radio more than talking baseball these days. <laughs> as it, well it should. Yeah. As well yeah. it should. I don't think a single minute of this episode passes without one classic line. Yeah. I mean, it's just that good. But it is the most removed from reality of up, the Simpsons episodes. Up so to far. this point, yeah. Up to this point, you know, the Simpsons has been fairly grounded. Having nine huge professional baseball players play on your local company softball team is not realistic. Right. So I, I wish I would have had time to look this up. I wish I could have found out if this got like trashed in the Usenet days of people going, oh man, the Simpsons are just getting so no, unrealistic. No, I, I don't think we were there yet. We were not, because I mean, yeah. the Simpsons was still no. better than anything else on television. And, and this was yeah. just like, yeah, they deserved it. <laughs> It deserve this, but yeah. again, they're juggling like nine C storylines with all the <laughs> for for twenty two minutes. I, I think my favorite thing is hearing from like all of these guys mm -hmm. who I mean, so they're all pretty much all Hall of Fame inductees or caliber players, and they say they get asked about the fucking Simpsons yep. <laughs> so much. Poor Wade Boggs and Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. just get harassed asking questions yeah. about how they felt about the Simpsons. It's great. But Something they did for probably maybe an hour. Yeah. If that. An hour 30 years ago as opposed to what would you say? Hundreds of hours every year for 20 years? Like, yeah. it all is superseded by the fucking for Simpsons. 14 years. And again, on an international <laughs> level where people don't like baseball, everybody knows who these people are. They, I, I forget who said it, but like, yeah, I'm like, the Simpsons is so popular, everybody knows who I am, but does couldn't tell you what team I played for. I, I want to say, again, Steve Sachs. Steve Sachs, because I didn't, the one baseball player I didn't know at the time. If they ever do a sequel, I hope Ozzy Smith just pops out of the mystery spot where he's been <laughs> 30 years. A ton of cool pictures. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and for the record, Pitt the Elder is far greater a British prime minister than Lord Palmerston. Lord Palmerston if you agree. look at a map of the world, multiple <laughs> continents look with their uh, national borders the way they do because of Pitt the Elder. Oh. That is an accurate statement. He won the Seven Years' War. It was a huge war for the next Imperialism. 250 years. Yeah, that's why we're not yeah. speaking French right now. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and in case you couldn't understand what he's saying, it is Pitt the Elder, because there's also a William Pitt the Younger. That's how you tell them apart. And I thought that he was saying Pulverston, like pulverize. Uh, and then that's why I hit him. Not kidding. I'm this dumb. I have never looked into this beyond, <laughs> even when I was on a Simpsons show. Uh, no. My, my final fact is that originally Conseco was going to be having an affair and that was wow. going to be his yeah. tragedy. But <laughs> but he was having a in real life affair at the time. And his and wife he knew. And his wife <laughs> did not necessarily want his cartoon representation to be having an affair on the most popular show on television <laughs> while he was having an actual affair. Uh, and I just so read this on the wiki, that. like Ken Griffey Jr., while not a problem, didn't understand the line. It's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. And like t- that took so many takes because he's like, I don't understand what it means. <laughs> like, really? Because I've been quoting it for 30 years and I hear it all the time. Um, but yes, Homer at the bat. Oh, my God. So uh, SNL is also out this Saturday with your host, Roseanne and Tom Arnold. <laughs> there's a, a Star is Born skit in here where Tom Arnold becomes more famous than Roseanne Barr. Oh, because yeah. at the time, right. he was always joked about as the only reason he gets any jobs is because of who he married. Mm-hmm. And there was a brief moment when he was like really big in True Lies where I was like thinking of this skit and going, you know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe. That's I. I do love that story though. For some reason, James Cameron got got his heart set on Tom Arnold. And like, was I'll walk off the film if I don't get Tom Arnold. And it's like, <laughs> oh it, it, it seems like someone had him hypnotized. But again, don't uh, hate Tom Arnold. But it was this is a very annoying period for Tom and Roseanne because they exclusively appear together, including mm-hmm. in a fucking Freddy movie. Just to ruin it. It's got some other great skits, a great Stuart Smalley skit with Tom Arnold and uh, Rose and Barr in it. And uh, they got the Delta, Delta, Delta girls. Can I help you, help you, help you? Uh, my <laughs> wife was part of Delta, Delta, Delta and does not like it when I refer to these skits. So, Did they get sued? I did not know that's a real sorority. Yeah, that's a real sorority. I don't think they got sued, though. Um, oh. I don't really know. Uh, and there's a fantastic opening clip of Dana Carvey being George Bush, mm. which is always a joy. And it's after Nagadan. he took a shellacking in the primary, uh, one of the worst performances by a sitting president in a primary in a long time. Oh, I'm going to have to start digging into those because those early primaries, there's all kinds of weird people in them that <laughs> someone, yeah. someone out, someone out there really cares about. Pat Buchanan got 43% oh, and uh, for a sitting president to barely squeak by like that was Ooh. a ouch. Um, and then uh. la- almost lastly, we have a TV movie, What She Doesn't Know, while investigating a mafia kingpin, a female DA played by Valerie Bertinelli, uh, learns that her detective father is linked to police corruption and that he used dirty money to put her through Harvard Law School. <laughs> She thought she knew her loving father, but she doesn't know daddy's dark secret. You lied to me. You think you know what you're dealing with, but you don't. She doesn't know his deep deception. I just assumed daddy was one of the good guys. You don't control him. We win. She doesn't know whether to break the law. You're in a lot of trouble, dad. 
This is my family we're talking about. Or protect those she loves. Uh, look, lady, I think we could consider this money successfully laundered if you threw it into tuition <laughs> and got a degree. They can't take it back. <laughs> you, you won. Just, just relax. Rat on your dad. Get a job. Oh, and is then, she going to have to be his defense lawyer when she rats him out? <laughs> that'd be fun. Ooh, that'd be, yeah. There, there, you can do some pro bono work for your dad. It was, it's all cyclical. That you ratted out. Yes. And, and I, I just had a minor notation. On the 21st of February, Johnny Carson has on a special, special guest for the first and only time. And I wanted to ask Diana with no clues if she could guess who it could be. There's a reason why I'm asking Diana. Right. It's going to be someone old. Let's see if you, maybe you can get her from her voice because I do like the way he introduces her. You want the little? You want the little footstool? <laughs> well, after let's see. Now we've been on the air twenty-nine years and six months, and we got about three and a half months to go, and we finally got you here. Well, <laughs> thank you. You know, I'm not plugging anything. I have nothing to sell. I really wanted to come on the show and thank you for thirty years of brilliant entertainment. Well, isn't that nice? Diane, any guesses? <laughs> oh, I could just barely hear her. I was having some headphone issues. I'm so I I don't know. This moment will be totally well. superseded by The Simpsons in parody form, where she will appear twice, including a parody <laughs> of this moment. Okay, I uh, I uh, I cannot think offhand of another international personality who has sparked the intense public fascination as my first guest, and it's a great pleasure to have her here. Would you welcome Miss Elizabeth Taylor? Walking nice. out looking like Cher's mom. It's very, oh, it's... yeah. This was like, this was such a good era for Liz, man. This is the big hair. These have always brought me luck. <laughs> yes. I love White Diamond's era, Liz Taylor. Yeah, yeah but... and I think she gets like the whole show to herself. Or at least oh, like that, that oh, clip is, is 20 minutes of NBC late night time. Because I don't think you'd really seen Liz Taylor on television that much, period. If she's yeah. not doing Carson, I don't know what other talk show she's doing. But yeah. that's the thing about Carson in yeah. this phase. You know, he's got literally months left. And yeah. everybody wanted to be on Carson before he left. You know, that was a huge thing at the time. It was like, mm-hmm. get in before he leaves. Again, I not to bring up The Simpsons, I get that when they announced their last season, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people clawing like, no, 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 no I just I want to do it once before it's over. Uh, yeah, everybody. you're right. Everybody. Uh, and again, wow. the Sim- remember when Simpsons, when Krusty went off the air, he had Liz Taylor on. <laughs> and Liz Taylor came on The Simpsons. And so to undercut Johnny Carson yet again, who was also on the episode. Video games of 1992, Let's uh, before we close out the segment. We got Godzilla 2, War of the Monsters on NES. Hudson Hawk finally comes home to <laughs> the NES. The, the only Why movie... Why would you bother at that Because point? the only movie I know of right now that directly mentions Nintendo, Hudson Hawk does call out Nintendo. So you can punch a nun in the Vatican in the <gasps> Hudson Hawk NES game. Sweet. <laughs> Wait, they made a video game out of my vacation? <laughs> <laughs> they got my letter. Terminator 2 is also out on NES, just a little oh, no, late. Both these games, you know, anytime I find myself mourning the death of movie adaptations, video games, I just look back and go, all right, most of them were other crap. I mean, in like the Super Nintendo period, they're all kind of competent side scrollers, but here there's always some weird cachet you can't figure out that makes the whole game suck. Arnold is in almost no good games. And then Super Smash TV on Super Nintendo, which is just wonderful. Super Smash TV is the shit. I played this with my son, and it holds up absolutely. It's still just as much fun today to run around, blast things. He, he at one point said, Dad, 
why are we risking our life for a VCR? <laughs> because because Arnold Schwarzenegger, the running man, has inspired the Smash TV Robotron, what would you call it, twin stick shooter. I, I'm sorry, I have to ask. What's the difference between Super Smash TV and Super Smash Brothers? Uh, oh. <laughs> Super they have nothing to do with each nothing other? Nothing to do with each nothing other. Super, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Smash, Smash TV, I think, was the name of the original game, and this is for Super Nintendo, so it's just Super, Super Smash TV. Smash. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha, gotcha. But the game has a pitch-perfect balance of wanting to power up, but not wanting to get swarmed by a horde of enemies around that power-up. Really well done. Uh, the makers of it uh, had a simple mechanic, and then they mastered that mechanic in uh, three games, basically. And uh, again, one of the best announcers in history, ripping off both Running Man and RoboCop at the same time. Big money! Big prizes! I love it! I'd buy that for a dollar! <laughs> you can't sue me, I'm in Japan! <laughs> uh, in uh, 1992... I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred, still number one on the charts. We also have some new releases, including one by Me, Fi, Me, a Stick Around for Joy, the last album by the Sugar Cubes, because, you know, their lead singer is Bjork, and she will be going solo very soon. Get Ready by Two Unlimited, and uh, Harmonally, Harmonally Yours by Shakespeare's Sister. Oh, that's an awful name. Uh, uh, get, a- get Ready by Two Unlimited has achieved immortality by being part of the Jock Jam Club. Yes. It will not die as long as we play sports. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely amazing. They are a a Eurotechno duo from Antwerp. (laughs) And they have written this song that, first of all, you will still get pumped up by it. And second of all, you will still see it in trailers on TV and movies, whatever. It's like... Because we know there... exactly what's about to happen. A sports thing is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Because you always, at some point, have to get ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's such a great soundtrack for, like, you know, 20 guys in small clothes to run around to. It's just... Yeah, it's <laughs> like, here comes the hockey team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I associate with basketball. Because every time yeah. I see basketball, like, this fills the stadium. Yeah, a yeah. thousand percent. So 30 years of getting ready. We are finally ready. So, yeah, as we are the opposite of ready for this 1992 segment. We're going to close out. We'll get ready for this by 2 Unlimited to psych you up for 2002. It doesn't make sense, but maybe it will. Stick around and find out. Are you a content creator like the good folks here at 302010? If so, I don't need to tell you how time-consuming it can be to go searching for that perfect video clip, image, sound, or piece of music to put the finishing touches on your latest project. How nice would it be to have a huge library of royalty-free content at your fingertips? Well, I have good news. Storyblocks is here to help creators like you bring all your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Storyblocks gives you access to a huge, demand-driven library of 4K and HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more to give you everything you need to bring your stories to life. Assets are royalty-free, so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial and personal use. Their unlimited all-access plan includes over 1 million assets in their library, including things like the background music you're hearing in this very ad. 
Whether you're a seasoned content creator or someone just dabbling with your first YouTube or Twitch channel, Storyblocks offers a selection of flexible subscriptions that fit every budget and scale to give you all the content and tools you need to focus on what's most important, creating. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at storyblocks.com slash 302010. Once again, that's storyblocks.com slash 302010. Coming in with Always on Time by Ja Rule featuring Ashanti. Ashanti, it's number one this week. Finally, usurping Usher. You got it bad. Suck yeah. it, Usher. It was only six weeks, but it felt like forever. Was it's it been the whole weeks? year so far. Okay, okay, maybe that was it. <laughs> it felt like it was, uh, yeah, I think it was in that, that, that cuspy episode, so it felt like it would be, this is two years, technically. But yeah. yeah. Welcome to 2002, February 18th to the 24th. All Hail West Texas by the Mountain Goats is also out this week. Uh, As If Nothing by Craig Armstrong. Capricornia by Midnight Oil. Uh, Joey Ramone's posthumous solo debut, Don't Worry About Me. Why would you say that after you're dead? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's dead. He's I, got nothing to worry about. It's a great title for a posthumous him. album. It really is. Like, I'm cool. Kiss in Time by Marianne Faithful and A Pair of Kings by Riders in the Sky. Looking at Tonight Show stuff, I'm like, what are some other interesting guests the Tonight Show? Ten years later, Jay Leno has on Dick Cheney. And I just like... Wasn't disgusted by that at the time, but mm. <laughs> now I'd be like even more so. Fuck Jay Leno having that man on. Uh, How to Kill Your Neighbor's Dog. That's a movie that's out. <laughs> with uh... by title alone. Yeah. If you're trying to make a larger percentage of your potential audience nope the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> what better well, title could you come up with? Mm-hmm. Or yep the fuck in. Like I, I appreciate your audacity, sir. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I, I have... might find out what this is. I do have a. You have my attention, sir. Kind of vibe to this. I just, I just worry about the audience that went to it thinking it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kenneth Branagh will always surprise you. Um, yeah, yeah. This, this is a surprising one where he plays a pissy loser who's a jerk and no one likes him. And it's like, like you were saying with Rabbit Proof Fence and conspiracy, like Kenneth Branagh as a villain. He doesn't mind. Do, doesn't mind sh- doesn't shy away from playing total pieces of shit man yeah so he's like a total piece of shit and his life sucks and even though he's married to robin Wright Penn, and that like he meets a kid and he starts to you know get his groove back which turns out to be a theme we're going to talk about another movie that's Ooh. very similar um but not with kenneth Branagh, with tyler perry somehow oh it was like super duper tiny indie uh it was actually made in 2000 only came out in like 2002 here in the uk some places it's also called mad dogs and englishmen and all the reviews were pretty good kind of hard to find yeah yeah what about monsoon wedding fuck Uh, yes monsoon wedding this is great this is an awesome awesome film this is the very first indian film i ever watched in my life um yep and uh it's about the mixture of old india versus new india and that's even in the dialogue where they'll be talking Hindi and switch to English. It's an authentic family dynamic with a mixture of the everyday and meeting a special day because it is about a wedding, but it's also about how all their lives are going up until the wedding. Yeah, it's 
Monsoon Wedding, it, it was a big hit at a bunch of festivals. Uh, it's directed by Mira Nair that we talked about two weeks ago for Mississippi Marsala. This is by far her biggest hit. And it's just this giant cast because it's not just like they're having a wedding, but a wedding is a huge deal. And it's where like all these relatives that are just spread out all over the world come mm -hmm. in like, oh, you know, your cousin from Oman is coming. And then uh, also the, you got your uncle from Australia is coming and like all of these disparate people from all over the world, but are still family all come together, you know, for this arranged wedding where mm -hmm. obviously that's going to be an issue of like do i want to do this are my parents forcing me to do this i don't, I don't know i did have my boss that kind of had a thing with him and like all, all of this family stuff just starts churning and coming to the surface and you would think that would get very melodramatic and instead i just felt like i was just a fly on the wall like yeah. like oh cool they invited me to this gigantic indian wedding which by the way if you ever get a chance to go to an indian wedding go, go to an indian wedding yeah. <laughs> they last like a couple days you're going to be forced to dance a lot sweet yeah. i i, I had amazing. a job interview in india once and uh i was there for like seven eight days what podcast um, was this <laughs> it was actually a paper company yeah. um, make all your dundler mifflin jokes you you want uh, i'm gonna say but... it in an indian accent and then i realized i wanted to be recorded next week so i didn't <laughs> <laughs> to me this r film really captured what i saw in india the mixture of poverty and growth because india is a country that is on the move mm -hmm. and is modernizing and that's a huge theme in this uh also looked it up there are 10 million weddings in india each Jesus. year Jesus so where so what does and that none mean of them are inviting me i want to go and what is, does that mean they have 600 tlc channels <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just no, want to say i am I happy just... to like right after we did mississippi masala criterion announced it um, for its upcoming titles. Yes. So it will yeah, become... we have magic powers. Yeah, we I'd do. like to think so. But I was checking here. This is already a Criterion uh, release. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just it's got a little something for everybody in it. It's one mm. of those where it's like it's a family drama, but it's also like a wacky comedy. I kind of wish Sarah were here because I know she loves wedding movies, and mm. I don't know if she's seen this one because this is a great trying to you know herd the cats of mm -hmm. getting a, a giant wedding together. And uh, I mean, the, I think the biggest actor in it is uh, Nasruddin Shah, who is the guy who's like he's been acting. He's probably got like 500 credits on IMDb. He's you need an Indian guy. He's very often the guy you get. And, and a, he's kind a of a legend. Fair amount of sex in the movie, too, but it's yeah. adult sex. This is a sex movie for adults, not a juvenile view of yeah. sex. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, it's like the, a real relationship. I was looking sex, it up on, but, on YouTube, yeah. and like the preview image for the trailer is just people necking. <laughs> mm -hmm. which is very controversial if you know anything about indian cinema yeah. no kissing yeah no kissing it's very disrespectful keep in your pants richard gear yeah gonna... oh you can do all kinds of sexy dancing but if you watch a lot of bollywood movies they they play with that where it's like they're doing a dance number and then they'll almost kiss and then turn <laughs> and start singing and you're like ooh, yeah um and then yeah monsoon wedding is a total fucking lock yeah if even if you've never seen an indian movie before Huh. This is a English. great, great first place to start. Indian movie. If you're looking for, I've never watched an Indian film. Start with this one. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, I had heard of that movie, but I had never heard of this. <laughs> this this next movie: uh, Robert Bailey Jr., Jacob Vargas, Susanna Thompson, Kathy Bates, Linda Hunt, Ron Rifkin, Joe Morton, and Kevin Costner in Dragonfly. You gotta clean out the closets. Get on with your life without her. When we lose someone. Yeah! 
they gone forever? I felt like she was there in the house. She said you'd be coming to see me. Charlie, there's something going on. This is not a joke. It was Emily. She's trying to reach me. Emily! Dragonfly, rated PG-13. Dragonfly, uh, a supernatural thriller starring <laughs> the hard-to-make-act Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> Will he pretend to be scared? Will he emote? Let's let's find out. Uh, a little. I this was it. what the hell? I like the best I could think is like, well, I guess people like supernatural thrillers because of Sixth Sense. So can we do some of that? Because Kevin Costner's wife dies, and then he starts being visited by not like some spooky stuff, but also just sort of weird stuff. Weird stuff starts happening, and he's trying to figure out what the hell is she trying to say. And the strangest thing about it. Is it directed by Tom Shadiak, mm-hmm. the Ace Ventura pet detective guy, <laughs> who's up till this point only done like yeah, the Nutty Professor and Liar Liar. I I don't know. I guess I appreciate him trying to do something different. He fails. The movie no. fails. Everything fails. It sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean the the best I'm reading here is that this was in some form of turnaround forever, and then Six Sense hit, and it's like. Uh-huh. Okay, let's throw money and celebrities at this until we can get it made. We have a sixth sense all ready to go. And Yeah, another, that feels that feels right. Oh yeah. It was so so forgettable. Speaking of forgettable, well, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. a if you're a fan of yes. vampire lit. Um and, and well, there is someone we should be remembering. Yeah. For better things than this her final film. Yeah. Not her only film? Or just No, just... no, Romeo Romeo must die, man. Okay, but like she's a star here, but I see what you're yeah. saying. Uh Lena Olin, Vincent Perez, Paul McGann, Marguerite Moreau, Seward Townsend, and Aaliyah. It's number one at the box office. What the fuck? Queen of the Damned. <laughs> In the twenty first century, the vampire Lestat knows no fear. We are the powerful. Except one. Akasha, the mother of all vampires. Join me or die. She takes pleasure in only one thing. Aaliyah, Stuart Townsend. Destroying the life. And Rice's Queen of the Damned. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Rated R. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Yeah, it just makes me... Townsend could have been Aragorn and instead... Days he was Aragorn, and this was his punishment for attempting <laughs> that. Um, because uh, so he plays Lestat, who wakes up from his sad nap. He is really whiny and mopey, and they think that that is characterization. Mm-hmm. Um, this film was made to keep the rights to Anne Rice's vampire series. Uh, they were about to lose them, and they were like, okay, fine, let's just make it. Uh, it doesn't please fans of the books. It doesn't please fans of the original interview with a vampire film. Really disjointed because this is an adaptation of the second and third books combined. Yeah. But, no. but what it does is it takes the prologue and epilogue of book two and 20% of book three and tries to make a movie out of that. That so it took the framing device of those books yeah. and turned it into a movie. Like so, wow. imagine the Princess Bride, but you never leave Fred Savage's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It, 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 I just remember like hearing from fans of. Is it the Vampire Chronicles? Is that what those Anne Rice books are called? Yeah. yeah. Just like how that would never happen today if they optioned the rights to these books. 
they would start from the first, give up if it failed, keep going if they were successful. Whereas this was just like almost evil to fans of the books. Like Interview with a Vampire, we cast the biggest leads in all history and they can't make any more as a result. And Hmm. you wait, what? What is it, 94 to 2002 to get a follow-up to Interview with a Vampire? And it's this? Is this technically a prequel to Interview with a Vampire? I think no. it's technically a sequel. It's okay. A sequel because B- Lestat is after the event of Interview with okay. the Vampire. But the books are, are not really, as I said, this is not a good adaptation of the books. It's really weird. It, it shouldn't have been made. No. And it, it's basically the Roger Corman's Fantastic Four movie oh. except for the vampire crime. But, but actually hit number one at the box office. Which yeah. I judge you, year 2002. I judge you for making this number one. I, th- uh, I think I, think I will just, say this. I will not say much this. else, man. Twilight is no longer the worst vampire film mm. I have ever seen. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. Oh. I'm saying it. Oh, 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 that stings. Yeah, this... Uh, this sucks. Yeah. It is incredibly dated. It feels super 2002 because even though it stars Aaliyah, all the music is by Jonathan Davis from Corn. <laughs> and also, it is the music is very important because the whole point is that Lestat becomes a rock star. Uh-huh. Right. And this is why it should have been a period film. It should have been in the 1970s or 1980s oh, yeah. Yeah. where rock was huge. But by making it in 2000, where the music is all about angst and anger and sadness, that doesn't actually work. If you go by the books, which is all about Lestat being awakened from a sump- slumber by sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, to become, that's to not become, to become David music. Bowie, which makes way more sense. Yes. Uh, Jim oh Morrison God, yeah. was the inspiration for Lestat in the yeah, book series. Just, just, just the whole opening. Uh, he's woke, He's literally woken up by, you know, his rock band neighbors and decides <laughs> okay i guess i'll be a rock star then why not and yeah poor Aaliyah. she's got nothing to do except look incredible which she does but she passed away back in august mm-hmm. and she doesn't get a single song wow why what, yeah. what not nothing on the soundtrack nothing over the end credits maybe yeah, nothing well, did you want the soundtrack to sell any did, again it all it all seems like i'm not a fan of any of the ingredients in this movie, including the source material, but I feel really bad for anybody yeah. who was. I I, yeah. I read some of the source material. Mm-hmm. I was never a huge fan, but I definitely read it. Uh, in the 90s, I was very, like... Uh, bored. This is a good read. Yeah, I was very bored in the 90s. That's accurate. <laughs> yeah. um, but... There's a lot of changes made from the books besides what you do just to make a good movie. There is a fair amount of straight washing. Uh, The Mm. books have a lot of homoeroticism in them. And even the 1994 film, you can totally see the homoerotic nature of it. Uh, There's a lot of debate among uh, people who are big fans of the Vampire Chronicles about whether Anne Rice's vampires have sex or not. One interpretation, they Mm. are asexual but biromantic and if you go by that interpretation uh the 1994 film makes perfect sense and this film that is just thrown out the window Mm. not even no 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 that is given a mortal girlfriend who he gives a vd to uh Mm. vampire disease and uh, (laughs) yeah no why why could we you know actually explore what it's like to 
live forever and how things would get boring and how your feelings about people and genders and whatever would change over time. And we could just have a bunch of Euro trash standing around. Yeah. There's That's tons of philosophy of the in the books. The books have tons of philosophy characters asking those questions. That's actually Lestat's whole arc. It's like, what does it mean to be a vampire? Mm. Where did we come from? What is this? You know, it's, it's very much a soul searching series of books and throw that in the trash yep the euro trash standing yeah. around yeah, it's, it's, that's this whole movie it's I, awful not even good bad either i think that's a theme for this episode yeah. not yeah. even good bad yeah sometimes it comes close but no no I, I couldn't see a bunch of friends cracking beers watching this and laughing <laughs> it's just not i mean you have to think of a a, a bunch of friends like uh buttoning up their bodices to go and see this like that it's it, 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 this isn't a because i didn't know any guys who were going to see this but i knew some women who were fans of the books like it was you can see why it'd be number one because it's this huge selling book series that's totally treated like garbage yeah it's it's a and, fucking shame you know the interview movie was huge it's a it's yeah. a pretty great movie i yeah. i don't know why we don't we it takes eight years to get this as a follow-up but then makes yeah. sense if they're fucking uh amazing spider-manning it <laughs> yep, and then it takes twenty years. Now we've got an interview with the Vampire TV show coming. That's on AMC. Probably, I hope. You know, yeah. that should Long probably be how you do it. Format. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, we're gonna split the last one in two. No, just make a make a longer last season. There you go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But uh, moving to television. Wow, ladies, are you genre fans out there? Yeah. Maybe you'll learn right now that Sheena was made into a syndicated TV show. I had no idea. So, yeah, I actually posted on the Sheena Facebook group uh, <laughs> because I wanted to find out what Sheena fans think of this version. And it is pretty much universally regarded as the worst version of Sheena out there. No. They are not oh. happy with it. It was made by the Baywatch people. Um, uh. Uh, there were some big lore changes for all you Sheena lore fans out there uh they gave her the ability to transform into any jungle animal i like it and she speaks with complete sentence so not and it's just cheesy and not entertaining but uh yeah the actress who plays her looks amazingly fit you can see why jungle girl is a fetish for some people uh but that's the only thing the show had going for it Mm. And then it's somehow competing with the Rosa Parks story. (laughs) (laughs) This was interesting from a historical perspective to Mm -hmm. me because Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, the story of Rosa Parks, I learned, was that she was just this normal person who Mm -hmm. got swept up by events. And that is not the case at all. Nope. Uh, uh, She was picked and planned with military precision to be at the exact right place at the exact right time and do the exact thing she was uh, supposed to do. It was it was planned uh, to have a desired effect. And this film is kind of in the halfway point between those two interpretations, because it shows you her story. It shows you her joining it, but it doesn't quite convey as much planning and foresight as went into it as uh, is kind of the accepted view now. They briefly mentioned Claudette, who was uh, the previous person who was really supposed to become Rosa Parks. Oh, yeah. Claudette Colvin was a badass. Mm-hmm. Yep. But she was I don't know very consciously thrown away because she was statutory raped and they didn't want uh, the black churches to not support them because they were using Ew. a pregnant teenager. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Well, Rosa Parks is 
the picture of respectability. And here mm-hmm. she's played by Angela Bassett, which I think is kind of miscasting, though, because Angela Bassett, I'm kind of expecting to just beat up all the cops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning now I don't know much about Rosa Parks beyond that Outcast song, but uh, which, <laughs> which I thought was definitive. But yeah, I didn't know any of this, literally. Uh, I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. Yeah, there's our, uh, our public schools good, suck, by the way. Yeah, there's a good Montgomery bus boycott movie too that covers some of that. With uh, I want to say it's Jeffrey Wright mm-hmm. as uh, as MLK. Here, Martin Luther King is played by his son Dexter. Oh, that's oh pretty wow! Cool. Yeah, isn't huh. that neat? Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's interesting. About as cool as Tony Soprano's son being played by Tony Soprano, except. I still find it infuriating. They marketed that wonderful movie as like, who made Tony Soprano? And they should have said, Tony Soprano will be in this movie for about 45 seconds. And this is really great, even without that. Your question will not be answered that we ask on the poster. Moving into games of 2002, there's a huge highlight in here, but of course it's peppered with horse shit like Woody Woodpecker Escape from Buzz Buzzard Park. I got to throw something in. What? I hated Woody Woodpecker growing I despised that annoying little git. Uh, So I pulled up this game, and I played Woody until I could make him die. And then I made him die nine times because he has nine lives. And then I instantly shut off the game. And my headcanon is now that Woody the Woodpecker is dead. And that's true for all realities. So for all you Woody Woodpeckers fans out there, I killed him. I killed him. He's dead. I love, I can't, I can't, I love Woody Woodpecker. And I was saying this on a pod, did I say that on this podcast? Stop me if I said it already, because, you know, my memory sucks and I drink. Most cartoon characters need provocation to misbehave and torture people, whereas Woody Woodpecker does not. He just starts, there's a cartoon where he literally shoots somebody through the chest. Like, (laughs) there's a hole there. There's a car, my favorite one is that, like, there's just gas rationing, and he pulls into town, what do you mean no gas? Punch, kick, torture, <laughs> like just starts. <laughs> what a jerk! I haven't That's seen Woody. Why Wood. I hated him, Chris. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can see why. But like, you wouldn't know who your kids wouldn't know who Woody Woodpecker is outside of the parking lot at Universal Studios, and I just find that very weird because a Woody Woodpecker game on PS2. I don't think he made a cartoon. No, he had that '80s cartoon, but like his cartoons were syndicated well into the. They were still in reruns enough, and there was a new Woody Woodpecker show, and there's been another one. So like, there's there's reasons for kids to remember, but PS2 again, it still feels like a really long time for that character to be in a game like that, a 3D game. We also have Pac-Man World Two on PS2. I'm not going in order here, so I can leave the biggest one for last. Circus Maximus, Chariot Wars, and PS2. And my favorite should have been awesome. I, as a what? Roman historian oh. fan, I so wanted that is to be cool because the Chariot Wars in Rome were like, what if wrestling was real? What if, like, what if people? Just what if wrestling but did... driving? Yes, wrestling but driving, and they really do have hated feuds. Well, they'll kill each other and get the entire city to riot. I mean, mm-hmm. you could make such an awesome game out of that, and this is not it. Yeah. And the the one of the best games I cannot play, Jet Set Radio Future on Xbox. I am I am a big advocate for emulation, but it's hard to emulate the original Xbox, and I don't believe this game is backwards compatible uh, at all. But it was I got it bundled with my Xbox uh, when Microsoft sn- uh, snagged up a bunch of exclusive Sega games. The sequel to Jet uh, Jet Grind Radio, I think, is much better. Jet Set Radio Future, it's wonderful. And it takes place in Shibuya, which mm-hmm. has such a vibe, such a mood. 
it's such a place place. It's mm-hmm. just like you're there and no place else is like it. And there's plenty of stuff to grind. There's so many curbs and rails. Uh, that is our much quicker second segment, as mm. it were. We're going to close out with Cold by Static X off the Queen of the Dam soundtrack. Ah, uh, oh. pleasing no one. Oh, mm. it really is like, what does 2002 sound like? Ah, uh, Static yeah. X. Static X. And I'm just imagining the audience seeing this movie, if I'm imagining they are literate women, don't like the soundtrack at all. And a bunch of fucking WWE themes, maybe, but we'll see. Uh, you know what? I'll look into it and I'll tell you when we get back from this short break. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of february 18th through 24th one of two movies i knew were hitting 50 and i am feeling it because this week marks the 50th anniversary of bob fossey's masterpiece cabaret starring michael york helmut graham marissa berenson and liza minnelli at her most Liza Minnelli. Like, I can't... Plenty of other people have done cabaret on stage. I immediately cannot imagine anyone else besides Liza Minnelli. It's freaking fantastic. It's set in Berlin in 1931. You know, the Nazi party is sort of slowly rising up, but, like, everyone's like, oh, but we're post-war, we're having so much fun, everything's great. Everyone's poor, but everyone's happy. And... Uh, yeah, bad things are coming. There's just this constant feeling of bad things are coming. Fosse made a whole bunch of changes to the play. If you see the play, there's like a whole subplot that got cut out of the movie. It's It feels longer than it is. It's only about two hours, but feels epic in scope, really. Uh, but also like really personal. Like you start caring about these characters where you know Liza Minnelli is just this uh you know girl who's singing in this kind of rundown club and uh she's getting groped by the master of ceremonies played by Joel Grey who's amazing and you know she falls in love with a guy turns out he's bi but she's also in love with this guy who's sort of rich and it's just goddamn it, it really is like it's seeped into the culture enough that you probably feel like you've seen it but you should absolutely watch it it's on HBO right now Happy 50th anniversary to Cabaret, Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. Oh, and also we mentioned earlier that we lost Ivan Reitman this week. So watch an Ivan Reitman movie. I'll be honest, he has about as many hits as he has misses. So, uh, I mean, a lot of people immediately think Ghostbusters, true. Kindergarten Cop actually making that work. Absolutely. But I, I got to throw in Dave, man, from 1993. And also Stripes from 1981. Those are both just... I. It would be so easy to get them wrong. And Ivan Reitman just, he does it. He threads the needle on them and they're great. So check those out. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. What doesn't kill you makes you
Coming into 2012 with Stronger What Doesn't Kill You after discussion about hygiene and eating pennies by uh, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> it's number one this week. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Yeah. This it's is, a good song to get pumped to, man. It's a good lady anthem. I agree. Good karaoke jam, too. Uh, yeah. 2012, February 18th to 24th. Other new music releases have uh, Sounds from Nowheresville by the Ting Tings, Visions by Grimes, uh, How About I Be Me and You Be You by Sinead O'Connor, Roses by the Cranberries. Some Nights by Fun, Reign of Terror by Sleigh Bells. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I would just say you have a Reign of Terror, but scored with literal Sleigh Bells. Yeah, yeah. Instant Christmas. Oh, Christmas no. Hit. Jason's Christmas coming. Christmas at Ground Zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that song. He's got a machete and... <laughs> Getting into the movies of 2012, because there are more than in the previous decades. Only two of which I have any affection for. Detachment with Adrian Brody, Christina Hendricks, and uh, Marsha Gay Harden is not one of them. This is one of these kind of artsy-fartsy films that barely gets a release, mm-hmm. probably because it's directed by Tony Kay, the guy who kind of directed American History X. He's a troublemaker. Is he's he? a troublesome fella. But this is about Adrian Brody is like a substitute teacher, and he's going through all kinds of stuff in his life and dealing with these kids, and um, <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty, like, grim and heartfelt it has a whole bunch of other people in it but um one of them brian cranston has mm-hmm. trash shot this pretty hard of like Whoa. i i couldn't go see it because i love the original script and tony k was fucking with the script and so i i was very upset about that and the like the chronically nice brian cranston trashed a film he was in i mean yeah. i don't know anything about this tony k fellow diana now i just want you to dish some hollywood goss to me oh uh, well the making of american history x is is legendarily right i think i remember tony k's very artistic sort of guy and they were like he's taking too long they take the producers want to take the film away from he starts like taking out ads with quotes directed at the producers Mm -hmm. and yeah it just sounds isn't it the case where like the the movie of american history x the one you saw is like a studio edit that the director hates yeah. But if you don't know that, everybody loves it. Everybody loves it. They put the flashback scenes in black and white. What a bunch of fucking idiots. It's great. Everybody loved it. You can relax, guy. I think that yeah. was the story. I cannot remember. And then the next movie I also am not familiar with. Gone with uh, Michael Payall, Wes Bentley, Sebastian Stan, Jennifer Carpenter, and Amanda Seyfried. So, this also got not great reviews, but I kind of like the idea in that Amanda Siegfried was kidnapped by a serial killer, but then she escaped. And now he's back and he's kidnapped her sister. But like the cops don't believe her. They think she's just she because she has mental problems, because mm-hmm. obviously she does that. Like she's just hallucinating all this. So it's like she's going to go take him on by herself. And then eventually, like Jennifer Carpenter is like a policewoman has her back and like the idea of people not taking women victims seriously so sisters are doing it for themselves <laughs> that's cool but reviews were not great mm. moving on moving on to a movie i did like and did see because i'll watch anything from any alumnus from the state and this has perhaps their most like the biggest and most respectable cast today you got uh alan Alden. he's here Catherine hahn uh carrie kenny silver that's trudy for reno 911 fans Della truglio uh laura ambrose ken marino Justin Thoreau, Malin Ackerman, Jennifer Aniston, and Paul Rudd. And also Jordan Peele, he's in this, isn't he? Wanderlust. Wanderlust is out this week, and I did like it. It's just I like everything those guys make so much. 
from the 10 Wet Hot American Summer and they came together. This is like their one like, it's, uh, what do you call it? The least silly. Absurd. It's mm, it's it's yeah. very grounded. That, well, still silly. because it stars hippies and you can do pretty much anything <laughs> you want with hippies and people will believe it. This isn't necessarily a positive portrayal of hippiedom, mm-hmm. but it's close. It is really close. At the end of the movie, this movie takes the side of the hippies. It says, not everyone has to live this way, but it's fine for these people, and they're getting what they need out of it, and Mm -hmm. they should be allowed to keep living how they're living. And it is hilarious. It is delightful. There are so many bust-out-loud laugh moments. Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston have great chemistry. They play off each other really well, where one wants to do it, the other doesn't, and then they switch positions, and you can really see... Uh, the characters getting lost in hippie dumb, and it's it's great. Yeah. I believe the, what Jr. means by that is one couple, one member of the couple wants to fuck other people, and the other doesn't, and then those positions yeah. switch. Yeah, well, because I mean, they're New Yorkers who like lose all, lose their jobs, lose everything, and end up uh, accidentally at this hippie commune, mm-hmm. and and they're like, yeah, fuck it, maybe you know, maybe the straight world has to be cool, man. Maybe it is really square. Maybe we should just live with these hippies. That's all right. And they like it there, except you got to have free love, man. What about you got to get rid of your hangups, okay, about your body. So let's all get naked. And make wine while naked. Yeah. Because naked winemaking <laughs> is, a, is a big thing in this universe. Yeah, man. Just come on. But then it turns out, as is true with all hippies, some hippies are bad hippies who are just selfish jerks pretending to be cool. True. And there's bad hippies selling out the hippie commune. But even the bad hippie is so hilariously funny. And he sells out his entire commune for $11,000 and expects to buy (laughs) beachfront property in Malibu with that amount of money. And that's Justin Theroux, who has a whole bunch of scenes with Jennifer Aniston. No surprise that they have great chemistry, too, duh, because they're, like, together. Have either of you ever spent time at a commune? I technically was at a huge hippie thing last weekend, Um, but I wouldn't call it a commune. It's just, like, someone said, the music's about to get here. I'm like, what are you talking about? I can make music happen right now. Oh, God, you mean instruments and bongos? Fuck! No, you gotta get out of here! (laughs) We gotta get out of here right now! (laughs) <laughs> so I spent a week at Nakaima, which is a commune in uh, Oregon, and I snuck in beef in jerky Ooh. format because I read, maybe from The Simpsons, that one of the ways communes brainwash you is to get you in a low-protein diet so that you're more susceptible to them. And it was an interesting experience, and I can say that this wasn't for me, but there was a lot of heart to it. A lot of people, and I'll never forget one conversation I had with a guy who was like, you know, a lot of people come here for a week and they have an amazing experience for that week and they move here and they expect that that will always be the case. Right. We're human. We have conflict. Yeah, right. You'll have the regularness of life here like you will anywhere else. Yeah. Those weren't his exact words, but they were pretty close. Yeah, there'll be politics and infighting wherever you go, wherever you try and live, just how you adapt to all of that. And I've always wanted to do something commune but no one ever... No, no, but you know, I, I kind of want to do it at like a cul-de-sac in Detroit with a bunch of one-dollar houses, with like a, with like <laughs> Diana and Jr. and Michael. Like we could own this town podcast-wise. 
<laughs> just move to Detroit. <laughs> but there's a lot of really funny bits in this movie. Uh, there's one moment where they do the truth circle. Linda, you want to try something true this time? Okay. Um, Can't believe you're going to sit here and puke your lies all over us. What? If I wanted my face covered in lies, I would still be in porn, right? <laughs> I don't. I mean, obviously, we've never done this before. And it's it's probably little... just hard for you because you're so full of shit. Linda, don't let George disrespect your process. <laughs> just think of George as a crying baby. A crying, broken little baby. Wow, thanks a lot, Seth. I appreciate that. Do you really appreciate it? Or are you just lying directly to my face? I'm being sarcastic. Oh, well, look, he's decided to be truthful. He actually <laughs> uses sarcasm when he gets into uncomfortable confrontations. Oh, yeah, right. Like, I, like I do that. <laughs> and you hate it. I don't love it. Or me, you hate it. It gets old. It does get a little... Yes, I hate it. You hate it when I make jokes. I can tell when you don't really care and you're just humoring me. And how does that make you feel, Linda? Like crap. Like my problems don't matter. What are you talking about? If your problems are my problems. Minus the eczema. That would be your problem. See? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a lot of heart there with a lot of just joking around. I, mm -hmm. I think it works perfectly. I think this movie mm -hmm. is 100% the movie it needed to be. We're yeah. talking mm -hmm. about uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, not even living up to its goofy title. This one... <laughs> lives up to its premise. You want to see a straight-laced couple be around a bunch of crazy hippies? Boom. This delivered. I, I yeah. just, and I just want to sing the praises of David Wayne, just because mm -hmm. I think he's wonderful, and he's one of those people where, like, has he made a even close to bad movie? I don't know, but he doesn't seem to get to make more than a movie every, like, five years or so. The last one I saw was the Feudal and Stupid Gesture National Lampoon biopic that is mm. surprisingly fun on Netflix with Will yep. Forte as a uh, you know, National Lampoon guy writes uh, mm -hmm. Animal House and Caddyshack, yep. and then so, dies. Yeah, David David Wayne directed this and co-wrote it with Ken Marino, who's another person. It's yes. like anytime I see that name, you have my attention. You have my attention. Will he dip his balls in it? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big sexy paisan. Wanderlust is on Amazon Prime, I think. Okay, I think yeah. that's where I watched it. Thanks. That's where I watched it too. Yeah, and and man, mm. another movie that turns out is on Amazon Prime that is. My pick of the week. Yeah. Chris, thank you for encouraging me to see this movie. Yeah, it's it it, it, it it the only thing that it the movie suffers from is having a semi lackluster sequel. I love this the second I saw it. I'm not a sports movie fan, not a fan of hockey, but Jay Burrishell, did he direct it? No, he directs the sequel though. Okay, yeah, but I he wrote he, he wrote, wrote it. it. I think he yeah. co wrote it. It's kind of his film, uh also starring Eugene Levy, Liev Shriver in one of my favorite roles he's ever been in. Uh, Allison Pill, also great Jay Burchell, and, and Sean William Scott. This movie's awesome. Goon. I'm a hockey player. They call you Thumb for Christ's sake. You've been touched by the fist of God. You're like the Hebrew Dolph Lundgren. My brother. He wants to offer you a contract. You're not here to play hockey. You're here to fight. Hi, I'm Doug Ladd. Two rules, man. Stay away from my Burkissettes and do your Havani Burkissettes. All right. Boss Ray. Nice hit, eh? He is the master. Ready? Yes. Thank you for asking. I don't even know how dated or real this is. A a sweet Canadian look at the toughest aspect of one of the toughest sports that there is. It's based on a true story. Yeah. And, it is and, based on a guy's autobiography of his years as an enforcer in minor league hockey where, yeah, his job is literally anyone comes near you, punch them. Yeah. A guy who's so good at enforcing, he doesn't quite know how to skate yet <laughs> and gets on a hockey team to just really take out people you don't like 
because hockey for some reason allows that. I'm not going to complain. It's very entertaining, but I still find it bizarre anybody allows that <laughs> this to happen. With it's it's the only sport I can think of where fist fighting is part of the rules and yeah. you get a set amount of timeouts. <laughs> yes. Oh, you punch <laughs> that guy in the face for no reason. Well, that's five minutes, mister. Get yeah. in your box and think about what you did. $30,000 in minutes. dental work. <laughs> You're in timeout. Yeah. But yeah. this movie, it seems like it should be a B movie, but it's incredibly well done. Yeah. It's well shot, well directed, well acted, and hilarious. This is a funny, funny movie. I know nothing about hockey. I, I don't know any of the story behind this, but I laugh from beginning to end. And again, there's tons of heart. Uh, this yeah. is a story about a stupid person who knows they're stupid. Mm -hmm. His parents keep wanting him to do doctor, lawyer things. And he's just like, I'm glad you believe in me. I am not that smart. And he's 100% <laughs> right. And, you know, that's an interesting protagonist to have. Yeah. yeah. And I was really surprised. As Sean William Scott, like I've never seen him before. Mm -hmm. He is so restrained and calm and just sort of like happy to be here. Like the character is just happy to get to know you. You know, even before a fist fight, he goes up to one fight, guy yeah. and the guy says, you want to go at it? And he goes, yeah, sure. And the guy says, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and then they fight. And then afterwards, when they're both bloody, the guy says, good fight. And he says, yeah, you too. And then as he's sitting in the penalty blocks, bleeding, he goes, what a nice guy. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm so used to Sean William Scott as being, you know, Stifler, that he's like the yeah. comic relief. He's a big over, he's the, the crazy character. And here it's actually Jay Baruchel gets to be that character. <laughs> only occasionally. And Sean William Scott is just like, he's a nice young man who's just incredibly good at fighting it's, i know it's and in so, the trailer yeah. but the the him yelling from the stands choose the number 69 it's fucking hilarious <laughs> it's the, the best number uh, yeah. and so yeah it's about him you know at uh, these minor league teams uh going through canada with their the ragtag some of the other characters on the team are fucking great mm -hmm. and it's, you know, eventually it's about the showdown with Liev Schreiber, who's the other best enforcer and fighter in the, in league. the yeah. league. Who's what? There's one point where they say he got he got suspended for 20 games. Yeah. For for <laughs> fucking a guy up so bad. And I for, went to look cold like cold cocking a player behind his back with a hockey right. stick. Yeah. And then I, I went to look like what is is what, what's like the worst punishment I've ever seen in hockey? And I found out, oh, a minor league guy like just a couple weeks ago got suspended for 30 games <laughs> for racist taunting against wow. one of the few black uh, players because wow, okay. hockey is still the whitest sport by far. Yeah. How how many minorities do you think are in the NHL percentage wise? Did, did, is, do you know it? I do. I'm going to guess 10 percent. Five. Three. Three. And that's all people of color. That's Asians, Native Americans, Black folks are like half of that. Man, yeah. you rich with Midwesterners better hope people of color don't find out about your stupid fucking sport. <laughs> Keep sport it from we them. get to punch Whitey. Yeah. Dude, and, uh... I think I just found a Mighty Ducks reboot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this, this movie, in, in, I wish the tagline on the poster was sometimes trash flies in my face. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's such... It's a great, it's a, it's why I love the movie. It's a guy who has a very good outlook on life despite having not a lot going on. Yeah. And yeah, uh, nothing. He's just, he is very good at punching people and it's never something he takes personally. Yeah. Sweet little, a sweet little sports story and a small movie I didn't hear get a ton of love at the time, but I 
thoroughly, thoroughly recommend Goon. Yeah, it's it's one of those where it went to VOD briefly first mm-hmm. to sort of build up attention and then went to theaters. Very small. I think eventually it made its money back. It's another one of these kind of like we talked about with Super Troopers last mm-hmm. week where it's like it made its money in DVD. It became yeah. a pass around thing. Enough that it did get, you, you know, a Canadian made sequel. And I, I read a nice piece about that. They were so proud up in Canada. They were so proud. Like, we have a series, you guys. We have a big Hollywood <laughs> series about us. I'm like, oh, Canada. That's a, yeah, Jay, Jay Birchell keeps it, keeps it super Canadian. If you haven't seen him in Letterkenny, he plays, what is it, Hard Right Dave? <laughs> so he's their super Infowarsy guy, Jay Burrichell. It's fucking uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was written by Jay Burrichell yeah. and Evan Goldberg, who yes. wrote Superbad. So that's the... Broke away from much, Seth Rogen for one second to write Goon. Yeah, it's it's much less, you know, naughty, I guess, than something like Superbad. Yeah. You know, there's no jokes about period blood. They do say the F slur a bunch of times, but then people get punched immediately for saying that because mm-hmm. his brother's gay. <laughs> that's all it takes he finds out his brother like, oh that's cool until yeah i might i might have come across this movie with my um old roommate and former podcast co-host tyler because oh yeah he's a big hockey fan big hockey fan uh big canadian <laughs> yep. and we ended up watching this and like i think we'd been told it was good but didn't believe it and we walked out of it like watch that again next week this the, that was a really yeah. fun sports movie yeah it's i kind of almost want to recommend it more than Slapshot. As yeah. a hockey movie, because Slapshot has a lot of really objectionable shit in it. Yeah. But also, they're they're still making the same point, which is like, why do we allow so much violence in this sport? But, <laughs> you know, it's Slapshot. The point is, but we don't allow sex. Nudity, the human body, that's objectionable. Mm. But a team that only, <laughs> never even plays their sport, just beats the shit out of people. Yeah. That's fine. Yo, that guy lost his tooth. That's fine. Yeah. No, nah, just go back out there. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw this, throw, throw that my recommend of the week, too. Goon. Goon is the shit. Yeah. Goon was wonderful. A delight. And on Amazon Prime. Oh, great. Can the same be said for this movie starring Gabrielle Union, Felicia Rashad, Beverly Johnson, Jordan Thompson, Edie Kybrian? Jamie Kennedy. Oh, okay. That was a combo breaker. Brian J. White, Rebecca Romain, Thandie Newton, and Tyler Perry. In his, as in Tyler Perry's, good deeds. Wesley Deeds' life was completely predictable. I can literally set my watch by Wesley. He always does the same thing. But sometimes... My car won't start. It takes something unexpected. Where'd you come from, beautiful? We're just going through a rough time right now. Are you hungry? To remind us... Sometimes even the best of us need a little help. Thank you. ...who we were meant to be. You need to go and find what makes you happy. Why don't you think you deserve that? I don't care for the pun, but you know, I'm not going to yeah, watch every Tyler Perry movie. Two movies. I, th- I after talking about Wanderlust and Goon, which I enjoyed so much, mm-hmm. um, I barely want to talk about these, and I sure. did not finish either one of them because this is a fine melodrama. It's fine. Tyler Perry, he's a workaholic. He's so unspontaneous, and then he finds out Thandie Newton, who I just found out we're supposed to call Thandieway Newton now. What? Um, that's actually her name. Oh. She just sort of made it less African. Okay. Before, I can learn. She, she would, yeah, so I can learn that. She's like really poor and has a daughter and they're g- getting evicted. She like sweeps up at the place that Tyler Perry owns. And then there's, you know, him trying to help her out. But also like, I can't believe, like, I'm going to call CPS on you. Your daughter's sleeping in a car. Oh, it's because you're poor. Uh, I'm learning and growing as a person. Eh. 
Is this one of the only Tyler Perry movies we've discussed where he stars in it as not Medea? Yeah. Yeah, I so. Does Tyler Perry have leading man charisma? Because I don't think he hmm. does. I, I did love him in Don't Look Up. I thought that was a great character. <laughs> he was great. I don't know. He does have a lot of charisma, but okay. yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. It depends sure. on what kind of role, I guess, we're talking. This mm-hmm. was, he's fine. You know, it's, it's, every character is very flat and, you know, it's a pretty basic ass melodrama where, oh, he's marrying a rich snobby lady. I wonder if that's going to work out by the end of the movie. Because <laughs> he, he's a bit clueless himself, too. I didn't watch it, but I did watch parts. And there's one point where he says something like, and who is this Tup Ack fellow? <laughs> doesn't recognize Tupac, <laughs> which is a bit of a suspension of disbelief there, um, mm. given how famous. Yeah, I haven't seen a T-shirt in the African-American community in 30 years. Jesus Christ. Who's going to believe that shit? <laughs> well, uh, well, he's also fifth generation Ivy Leaguer, mm-hmm. which uh, movie Dang. characters don't have to be realistic. They can be highly improbable. But if you do want the math on that, that means his ancestors have been uh, attending Ivy Leagues continuously since the Civil War. Yeah, that seems oh. likely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, what, on a lottery? What? <laughs> Tyler Perry's good deed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Movie, movies. I I don't care to weigh in too hard on or even watch because what the fuck does it matter? Yeah, look, these uh, good deeds in the next movie, they're for a very specific audience, Mm -hmm. and they're putting part through a very specific thing. This is, you know, a drama that's going to be feel good by the end. Yeah. And the next thing is a commercial for the Navy. Yeah, this is why I put it last time. If I can watch everything in the world on the. (laughs) From this show, I'll put I'll still put this last. Starring <laughs> active duty Navy SEALs, uh Rosalind Sanchez, uh Alex Vedas, Jason Cottle, and Nestor Serrano. It's active valor and it's number one at the box office. On a covert mission. All boots are on the ground. An elite team of Navy SEALs has just uncovered an unthinkable threat. Imagine trained terrorists inside your country. Pick a city, they'll be there. This thing is way bigger than we thought it was. They're going to hit us at home. That ain't going to happen. If they make it into those tunnels, it'll be too late. We have target in sight. Clear to engage. I'm actually like legitimately shocked this hasn't happened more. Yeah. Did you read last week they just closed down America's Army, the free-to-play Army developed first-person shooter game that has been going for 20 years What? as as an Army recruitment tool? So why not movies written by and starring active duty soldiers? But seriously, why not? Get, I you mean, this was a success. Mm-hmm. This yeah. was number one at the box yeah. office. I'm sure it made its money back. Pro-action films seems like it would be a natural genre, honestly. Uh, or mm-hmm. think about this, JR, a, a recruitment tool to get men like us into the armed forces. <laughs> it's like, oh, I could direct stuff? Could write some movies? Okay. All right, maybe. I could make action movies with my friends because I think this, this started as a, a team of Navy SEALs making advertisements for the Navy and like we should give mm. you a budget to do this for a film and they did and it was number one at the box office I am literally shocked this hasn't continued yeah yeah, yeah I am I don't I'm, know why I am too I mean just the idea of like Navy SEALs do a whole bunch of super hardcore shit and so let's come up with a bunch of super hardcore shit for them to do, and then we'll build a story around it. That's how they make Mission Impossibles now. So <laughs> why why not 
have you know a halo jump and a guy like swimming past a submarine and like all kinds of cool shit and they're trying to stop terrorists who are uh i i admit i did not watch the whole thing no, i couldn't but i couldn't I, I did read some complaints about like we're just tarring everyone in this aren't we we're just like bad guys are islamist terrorist and also chechen separatist and also like the main chechen separatist is a russian jew yeah. and they really underline that for some reason but he's best friends with the islamist terrorist it was like where are we going with this also drug dealers drug dealers are bad and they're involved in this too and yeah i should say how much i dislike ah. propaganda and won't even watch Owen Wilson movies if it looks like it's been paid for by the military. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't. I would have to watch this Clockwork Orange style. Yeah, and, and and every review is like, well, yeah, the action was cool because that's the only reason for this movie to exist. Mm-hmm. The acting characters, no, they're just popsicle sticks. Who gives a shit? <laughs> they are dolls. They to are... be fair, there's plenty of action movies out there where the same could be said of the characters. Totally, yeah. and I, I like the idea of making these just to send Mark Wahlberg into abject poverty by never taking away <laughs> all of his movies and giving them to actual servicemen. <laughs> Active Valor is not something I could recommend, even if I had liked it and watched it, which I did not. Yeah. It's, it, but it's a, it's an inter- possibly an interesting footnote, and you know I don't want to. If we have any power, like getting Mississippi Masala on DVD, I don't want to mm. speak too much about Active Valor and start start a film program in the Navy. As long as I can write something with Keith David as my narrator, maybe maybe it'll be fine. Ooh. I want to make the most hardcore movie that the Coast Guard has ever fucking seen. Oh. So everyone respects the shit out of the Coast Guard at the end. I might I might know somebody. So uh buy my mother's book, Future Flyerist. <laughs> uh Flyer I can't remember, but uh yeah, she wrote a book about my grandfather, the head of the Coast Guard. Um, it's out now somewhere we think what a terrible plug for my mother's real book Uh, (laughs) TV of 2012 February 18th Transformers Rescue Bots debuts on The Hub and that was the channel formerly owned by Hasbro I believe Hasbro itself It was. It was a joint venture between Discovery and Hasbro. It led to to good things like the My, the My Little Pony created this giant new fandom, got to create this uh, program that people actually liked. But it was basically where crass Saturday morning cartoon products could go and create unregulated commercials <laughs> onto this Holy cable channel shit, called The I- Hub. I just looked this up. You're right. I am right. Now it's Discovery Family. Yes. Yeah. Run by Discovery Inc. and Hasbro. I believe they sold their stake because, like, you know, TV shows are expensive. And and Hmm. I I thought the people who made toys based on them would know that a little more. But I think if you're making a Transformers cartoon and, like, the world doesn't know about it, like, what's the point of that? Well, I, I do like to point out that this version of the Transformers has more episode than the original Transformers what? cartoon. Wow. Yes. So it, it must yeah. have worked on some level. Huh, huh. Maybe, maybe just by being in a uniquely American production or like we have a, we're incentivized to keep this on the air because we will literally make money off of its resulting merchandise. And I remember the, the, the line in stores more than I remember seeing any frame of the TV show. And I'm not the audience. I don't like Transformers anyway. I like that one movie with the cartoons that kills everybody. Transformers Rescue Bots. Uh, speaking of children's shows I know nothing about, Monsuno debuts on Nicktoons. 
Is that still a channel? I believe it is. Did you see this, JR? No. Uh, it's very hard to find. It was another toy line. The toys apparently have a lot of nostalgia, and people post YouTube videos, but the actual cartoon is just down the memory hole. Basically, you combine animals with crystals via the power of science, and uh, you know you have your main character, the comic relief, and the girl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. February uh, the 24th, we got postcards from Buster for PBS Kids, another cable channel I have not seen a single frame of. Ran oh. four seasons. Oh, this is, this is an Arthur spinoff. Oh, is okay. It? Yep, an um, Arthur spinoff with a censored episode. Oh. Ooh. Because of gay yep. couples in it. You can't have that on PBS. Our tax dollars pay for it. Close up on my fist. And that's the extent of what I know about Arthur. But the show I did watch, and I don't remember what channel it was on. Is it HBO? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I was pirating it because it was debuting across the pond at the same time. Life's Too Short premieres on HBO, and that is the Warwick Davis starring show that was kind of overshadowed by its the thing they did once an episode, which is have a celebrity appear at, with Ricky Gervais and Steve, oh, Stephen Merchant and have like a 10-minute sequence of improvisation. I don't know. I didn't like the show very much. I thought it was a oh, bunch. I thought of... it was hilarious. It yeah, made me yeah. love Warwick Davis. I thought I, mean, it... I already loved Willow. I was a huge Willow fan, and they. Oh, I uh, love Warwick Davis. That. Let it not be said, I'm not a Warwick Davis fan. But I also think it made a bunch of easy, kind of mead spirited jokes, and then buoyed itself on these celebrity appearances that had nothing to do with Warwick Davis at all. He's not yeah, even in these scenes. I... Nah, honestly, I kind of disagree. Okay, yeah, I, disagree I didn't think they—I didn't think they were making chief dwarf jokes. Mm. Yeah, I, I think they were exploring what it was like to be a famous dwarf, and you can't do that without touching on negative reaction to dwarfism because that's okay. the sea they swim in. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, he's kind of noticeable. Little people are kind of noticeable just in general, and they have because all he's kinds in of all the Star Wars and Harry Potters. Deal, yeah, they got all kinds. But, of, but even if he, no he one knew him, out I know, in I know. The, the the series that in his most famous roles as Ewok, his w- Wicket Ewok, mm-hmm. his face is covered, and Harry Potter, his, his face. face is covered, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, they really wouldn't have seen you in Harry Potter, you know, because your face yeah. was covered. But yeah, I mean, it's basically an extension of extras. And yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's the it's right. extras expanded universe. And if you like extra humor, you're going to like this because it's that dry, self-deprecating British humor that I just can eat up. But I, I, see, yeah. my, I didn't rewatch this for the show, but we were talking about like, where did that Liam Neeson clip come from where he's talking to Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant? We, it took us like 10 minutes. Like, I think it was the Warwick Davis show. Like, why was that on the Warwick Davis show? He's not in that scene. Like, I think he might be. We looked it up and like, yeah, it's from Life's Too Short. So, like, yeah, why are the most memorable sequences in this are the celebrity appearances? But this is a very memorable appearance. (laughs) Uh, Liam Neeson doing the first comedic thing anybody had ever seen him do, I think. Hey, Fabe, Liam Neeson walks into the office of Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant to tell them he wants to do comedy. And Warwick Davis is there to react horrified, (laughs) as you will, as the audience during this clip. Look, improving a scene is hard, okay? Can we go again because you ruined that? Sorry. Or not. Come in. Hi. Hi, how's it going? What seems to be the problem? I've contracted AIDS. How did you get that? From an African prostitute. <laughs> I'm, I'm riddled with it. The prostitute's from an African country that's, that's ravaged by starvation. So selling her body was the only financial recourse she had left. Do you mind if I interject for a second? Sorry, I just think it's getting quite heavy, this sketch. And I just wonder if perhaps, just for the sake of comedy, you, you might not want to have contracted AIDS from a, an African prostitute. Just... Mm-hmm. 
Okay. All right. Knock, knock. Come in. Hi. Hi, what seems to be the problem? As I said before, I've got full-blown AIDS. <laughs> you want to know how I got it? Sure. I'm a well-known homosexual actor. Wow. <laughs> It's a really good sequence. All right, all right. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll relent a little bit. Why was I being so negative? That really did make life's too short. I wonder. I didn't see. Is it on HBO Max? I didn't see it there. It's on HBO. Max. Okay. On Paramount Plus, I'm guessing. Did we miss the premiere of Key and Peele of the whole we show? Did. Of we the whole did. show. So yeah, that premiered back in January on January 31st, and so I thought I'd shout out this episode because it's the first time we get a recurring character on Key and Peele, mm-hmm. Luther. Obama's anger translator. Yes, who got to do yes. that? I believe at a the the journalist. What's it called? Yeah, the press. It did it at the correspondence dinner. Yeah, with yeah. Obama. It's, I love Key and Peele so much. I think, and like, it's crazy because, like, when it first came on, it really had a feeling like, oh, you guys like Chappelle? You, you like Black Sketch Show? We we do Black Show. We got two of them, two two black guys this time. It's it's even better. I, before uh, hating Dave Chappelle was cool, mm-hmm. I really hated him for accusing Key and Peele of ripping him off because I thought that was just utterly asinine. Like, it's just, they're just black people in sketches, Mr. Chappelle. You don't own any, you don't own this format. What do you, what the fuck is your problem? Why you gotta, why you gotta shit on Key and Peele? Because I never actually have seen an episode of Key and Peele. But uh, I have not either. But Comedy Central from the beginning, 10 years ago, was really good about putting every sketch uncut on YouTube. In fact, if you remember, it was the first time I saw somebody play into that skip this ad in five seconds, like, watch Key and Peel the Sunday, don't skip this on that one. And then you <laughs> and the commercial ends. <laughs> but I, I think I've gone back to watch some of the show in order, but it, you know, it's not terribly relevant to get the sketch you're about to see described to you but that's the only thing you're missing but the sketches are all on youtube and they're all so fucking funny like it it just an immaculate track record in terms of every sketch being funny i I, i'm the biggest fan of sketch comedy in the world love snl which has like a 20 30 percent this sketch is good (laughs) track record key and and peel are way have a way higher batting average oh yeah Um, so so many of them sometimes they're you know very high concept sometimes they're just weird but then i've also seen people that have they have like strange first names or they're spelled differently or they have mm-hmm. ethnic first names their favorite thing in the world is the aaron sketch i mean my friend aaron really hates that sketch for how much the rest of the world love it because he's oh. been aaron ever for like 10 years now <laughs> to people who just meet him if i have a favorite obviously it's the gremlins too Oh, um, yeah. that's my favorite too. Yeah, Rick Rick Baker uh, sketch, but then also if you haven't seen it, the heckler with the voice box <laughs> for the stand up <laughs> comic who demands now make fun of me, <laughs> but he's covered in burns and speaking through a voice box. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a very funny sketch. I'll never do justice by quoting, but I but love that sketch. All Can Peel is on Paramount Plus, but also on HBO and also on Hulu. No shit. Right. All right. So you got every opportunity to watch it. My favorite sketch is probably the Woke Pirate song. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a sea shanty about respecting women and understanding consent. And the chorus is we say yo ho, but we don't say ho because ho is disrespectful, yo. <laughs> yo ho ho. Um, yeah. Stray thoughts here before I forget and apropos of nothing. Wanderlust is out this week. 
I'm not that familiar. I was not familiar with Mad TV. I may have watched like the first two seasons and then maybe caught it on cable. What a week Jordan Peele is having because he's in a major motion picture and his show premieres. And I don't really know who he is yet. And yep. to compliment Jordan Peele seems is verboten the right word at this point. Like, how many more accolades does that dude need? But like, uh, man, that new trailer hit during the Super Bowl and like <laughs> it. It's what I liked about the Us trailer. Like, this doesn't look like a movie. It looks like a fucking dream. And <laughs> I don't want to know anything else about it till I'm my ass is in the seat in the movie theater. Cannot wait. Give him a couple years. Oscar winner. Yeah. Oscar winner. Twilight Zone rebooter. Potentially Akira movie director. Or is that Taika Waititi? I can't remember now. Ooh. I'd say just don't do it. There's no reason to. You know, no one watching that skit show in 2012 was like, that's, that's going to be next, the guy. That's the next that's the guy. That's that's the Hitchcock of the 2020s. Holy shit. Yeah. Just for the title alone, that might actually get me back into the theater. So nope. I can just say like, yep, two tickets for nope. Nope. <laughs> Would you like tickets today? Nope. nope. I hear you. Right away, sir. Key and Peel, very important to... Give that a shout out. I would say even more important than The Simpsons reaching 500 episodes. Um, 500. 500. Years to 500 more. And I think there, yeah, you could, you can watch one Simpsons episode a day for. I think two years at this point and not not hit a rerun. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's 717 she, episodes. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's almost exactly. Hell. Yeah. Wow. It's more animation. I'm a big animation fan. That is more animation than any animated product that has ever existed in the history of anything. The Simpsons has Well, more. there's a couple Japanese animes. That, that is very true. But I always leave those out for some reason, maybe because I don't watch them. Sorry, One Piece fans. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I recently posted a little comic of Homer in hell being fed donuts, only it's Disney Plus, and it's uh, season one of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. season two of The Simpsons, season 32 <laughs> of The like Simpsons. like The Simpsons? Sir, season 33 oh. of The Simpsons. And then the final one is the devil going, I don't understand. Most fans quit after season 11. And that's 100% me. I did quit season 11 of The Simpsons. But watching this, I'm like, this is awesome. This is incredibly enjoyable. This is such a funny episode. Yeah, I go I go back and forth with The Simpsons. And I kind of really hate the only season in 10 and on is good. And like, no, only Mm-mm. season 10 is groundbreaking. And if you're like me, you were familiar with The Simpsons because before there were DVDs you were home with nothing to do from mm-hmm. the hours of 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And in some, most territories, they play two syndicated reruns of The Simpsons, and I'd watch them joyously. You don't do that anymore. No one does. No. So, yeah, the, the Simps- you've changed more than The Simpsons have. You know, there's definitely episodes I hate from later seasons, but there's episodes I love, yeah. too. But Chris, yeah, look, mm. I, I demand entertainment in my early 40s give me exactly as much yes. joy as I got entertainment in my early teens. Not. That's a, both a reasonable and attainable goal to a demand of my media. Not possible. Yeah. And, and the, the, real, the real triumph here is that, as again, as an animation fan, The Simpsons works. In multiple sto- multiple territories and multiple languages all over the globe, and still does. It's not something. Not every animated show is popular in other territories, but The Simpsons has done it somehow. Yeah, and yeah. it's even outlived a lot of the tropes it's created. It's, but it's at its 500th episode at long last leave. And uh, beneath it is a little tagline that says, "The most meaningless milestone of all." <laughs> 
Uh, so they, they are not afraid of taking the piss out of their own longevity at all, mm-hmm. which I do love that about them. Uh, this episode starts with Milhouse writing the chalkboard gag. And I'm oh. wondering if that is the first time someone other than Bart has been writing the chalkboard gag. I think so. Mm. I think so. I was reading. I was I've been known to read those details and I, I don't recall. They will mess with that gag, but it's almost always Bart in there. And, and then after that, there is a montage of the couch gag. And holy crud, does that montage go on and on and on. <laughs> and do you see the evolution of The Simpsons at this point, you know, 22 years old. Uh, and you wow. see them evolve over those 22 years. Yeah, and just that, that, that stupid couch gag goal they gave themselves to create all new animation every episode during the intro as a nice way of letting you know it wasn't a rerun. Hmm. And it's it's really? almost useless and then late you know 20 years later they make it a place for underground animators or you know uh, uh, other animators to come in and do guest spots during that portion it's just beautiful it's a beautiful vessel that we have with the simpsons there uh, was just so much i mean that went right in the making of the simpsons mm-hmm. there was no reason the couch gag had to become part of simpsons eternity yeah. mm-hmm. but i i have a hard time picturing the Simpsons without that. I mean, if it was just the same opening every single week, no change in the chalkboard, no different couch gag, it, it feels wrong, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. ugh, no. And, and, and meanwhile, in terms of primetime animation, that's kind of standard now. Only Family Guy doesn't do that. And even then, it'll shake things up. But like Futurama always has a different gag. Bob's Burgers. American Dad. American Dad they all got yeah. primetime animation. Is uh, Even Rick and Morty. Like changes its its intro uh, every so often. Something the Simpsons established, and what what the Simpsons deserves. And I don't have time to make a full blown talkie head YouTube video about it. It fixed television. It fixed yeah. it. Literally fixed all of television. It made it all. It made it very good again by caring and everything. Every detail from the yellow skin to the couch gags are to get people to like. No, no, hang out for a second. Don't move yet. This is going to be a little different. I think it's. I think it's earned a decade or two to to, to coast a little bit because. I watch a ton of cartoons. They all do that occasionally. I should set up a random number generator of 717. <laughs> just pick like 10 random numbers between 1 and 717 and watch those 10 episodes and see what I think, yeah. you know? Yeah. I say go for it. Look, I this is a war of attrition for me. I was a day one viewer. Mm-hmm, me too. I'm going to watch to the end. I have never skipped. I I I think I've heard that. You and Michael still I'm, Watch the Simpsons I'm like going every week, for it. and so I can yeah. say with authority that even these last couple se- these last couple seasons have actually been really good. I've right, heard that. I agree. There's every you know they do what twenty two, twenty three yeah. episodes. So there's yeah. three or four in there that was like I I didn't chuckle. What the hell was that? There's only occasionally one that's like, well, that was actually bad, and I'm angry about it. <laughs> but generally, they're fine. Yeah. They're fun. I got some laughs. That was a good joke. Okay. Uh, my my one regret of the COVID times, other than not buying Bitcoin, which I did consider, was... Uh, <laughs> Sell it now. <laughs> well, yeah. But I, I was this close to buying Bitcoin at the start of COVID, but didn't. Uh, 
But my other regret is I was this close to having Simpsons be my COVID watch. You know, I was really far behind. I hadn't seen anything since season 11. I was like, fuck it. Why don't I just try and watch all the Simpsons? You know, didn't do it. And I wish I'd spent my COVID time on that. Maybe. I mean, you know, binging isn't isn't the best way to enjoy stuff. True. And it's Mm. the more of it there is to binge, the less you enjoy it. And that's what the Simpsons will be. You will be binge watching. You will be looking at your phone through several seasons worth by like right by comparison <laughs> how we normally binge watch shows yeah, yeah I don't, you, would, I, you would have to pace it out of two maybe a one a day you yeah. know i could have done one a day yeah part of yeah. part of me like i don't ever want to have to explain the simpsons to someone young but it's also the simpsons have presented themselves to every generation i don't really have to everyone has an understanding of what the simpsons like trying to explain mickey mouse to someone <sighs> by the way the simpsons have been in animation actively longer almost longer than mickey mouse i wonder if there's more hours there is simpsons than there are mickey yes for sure okay Absolutely, because because yeah. we're talking like two two to three seven minute cartoons per year for twenty years, and then you know some specials here and there. It's my sixtieth birthday. Buy my records. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's definitely more. Anim- I, I I would say in in terms of American animation, The Simpsons has more animation than anything in the universe, except for maybe recycled Hanna Barbera material. But again, that's like wholesale old shows thrown in as new shows no looking Hmm. at the timeline around the time that this episode was airing uh universal studios closed down the area uh and was beginning construction of i don't know the correct term simpson land in universal studios yeah it's it's the simpsons ride but But when, when you get there it's it's crusty land and the theming is wonderful. The theming it's is better than the whole the ride. Most amazing theming I've ever seen in any theme park. It's yeah. just I feel like I'm in Springfield when yeah. I'm there, and construction is beginning around this episode. And it has the queue was formerly Back to the Future, and you can find this on your Back to the Future DVDs. They put that in the last two trilogy sets. It's Biff grabbing the time machine and Doc trying to get him. Very entertaining. Half an hour of footage. But when you're standing in line and just watching Simpsons clips regarding theme parks from the show, <laughs> it's even better. Like it's it, it's the best line you can wait in in the park. It's and it's only Simpsons like raw Simpsons clips. It's great. I love the nice. Simpsons. Five hundred episodes. Congrats. And then moving into games a little bit here. Oh my God. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater 3D on 3DS. So I can buy it and play it for an hour again. And then never played again. Never finished it. Alan Wake's American Nightmare on Xbox. Uh, that is out. And I believe out coming out again, finally, after some unavailability. Touch My Katamari on PS Vita. Um, it sounds kind of dirty, doesn't that? Yeah, a little bit. Touch it. Love it. It's not even the first Katamari with a touchscreen, so I don't know why they called it that. But I was always a huge Katamari fan. Mm-hmm. and Yes. Uh, it was such a delightful surprising game it was one of the first games that was like blowing me away like oh my gosh they can do this so because clever. you're it's just so clever exactly mm-hmm. and this is the last game in the series um, is it other than mobile games and re-rolled um, and remakes and mm-hmm. re- remastered which mm-hmm. I, you know you can those are fun, but they're not a continuation of the Katamari lore and dynasty and all that. <laughs> they had a real it's, tough time bottling that magic again. 
Mm. It's hard. It's hard, you know, because it was such a unique concept and there's definitely a limited number of times you can do it because by the end of every Katamari game, I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. I don't really mm -hmm. need to roll anything anymore. But every time you hear that playful Japanese music, it does bring a smile to my eye. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Yeah, it of course I love it because it's one of the only games I'm any good at, even a little bit. Oh, hell yeah. Because... How many buttons do I need? Like none? None, really. Yes! None, really. Oh, just, thank God. Just those two sticks, baby. And on the 24th, we got Grid Runner on iOS for a platform. Yeah. Basically the bastard offspring of Robotron and Centipede if they mm. had a one-night stand. There we go. <laughs> we got a quiz coming up for you to tell you who was born during this, and we'll also tell you who died, and this is a big one for me uh, in here. Before we do that, i got to tell you to go to patreon.com slash lasertime. You have extra shows, a ton of extra shows for 302010 fans, including where we go in-depth in the games. we got some classic corner uh, episodes in there for you. All in all, if you go back through our old content, we have a ton of 302010 episodes exclusively for patrons. Dozens, I would say. And uh, we're going to continue making those. Got a bonus time this week, talking a little bit about some superb owl stuff and a harrowing adventure that had me almost in a fight for the first time in like 25 years. And we'll have, we should have something else coming out there really soon. I've got a lot to record this week. Laser time, we've just gone through our best of television and uh, movies. So check that out because you know what that means. The Oscars are not far behind. And I want to I want to get something in there about movies before that, so stay tuned to that. This, of course, will hit um, every week. Di, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, l e c i n e n e r d, or follow the show at thirty twenty ten podcast three zero two zero one zero podcast. Coming up next week, we've got ooh in two different decades, we have a best actress Oscar winner. Mm. We got Chevy Chase going invisible. <laughs> uh, we have one of the most notorious urban legends, I guess, or a, a story you've heard of that you've gotten completely wrong. We're going to correct the record. Okay. And uh, also a little animated Danny DeVito that I'm mad at. Mm, Space Jam then? No? No. I know. <laughs> the, the dates don't check out. The trees. Oh, man. And Denny's. And a car company. And uh, that advertisement others. stood in San Francisco for like another seven years. It never left. Mm -hmm. It was so irritating. JR, where can people find you? They can find me on Talking Terrific Television, a chronological examination of The Sopranos. This week, we are covering Sopranos home movies, where Tony and Bobby get in a fist fight over Monopoly. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 Tony. Tony. Hey, Tony, this is me doing home movies mixed up with... Uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Hey, hey, hey. hey what? what? Yeah, it does sound like... Okay, hey, but what did you think of the Super Bowl Sopranos commercial? Oh, I thought it was great. There's, me too. There's uh, overthinking yeah, like pieces where it's like, does this mean that Meadow no. and AJ survived the hit that happened in the <laughs> diner? I mean... And I'm like, guys, I, I literally have a Sopranos podcast, and you're thinking about this. Yeah, you're overthinking it. It's a car <laughs> commercial, but beautifully reshooting the Sopranos intro. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it still resonates. The show is, you know, 23 years old now, mm -hmm. and it's still a cultural force, which is yeah. rare. Yeah. Also fixed television. Yep. Mm -hmm. And let's let's get to the, the deaths, people. The deaths who died this week, one of the most important people in my world, Yep. Chuck yep. Jones in fixed animation. Yes. In 2002, we lost Chuck Jones, who is 89, the best animation director of all time? Indeed. Question mark? It's very, it's very strange. He's I, up there. There's, there's cartoons I like, I think are funnier. 
made by other Warner Brothers artists. But the squash and stretch style you associate with cartoons is something Disney was not doing at the time. Woody Woodpecker was not doing at the time. That would go on to define when some something when you say it looks cartoony, it looks like something Chuck Chuck Jones innovated and refined. Yeah. And and I mean, I would say he might be the best director of all time. Just for Coyote and Roadrunner, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is something both he he and I hate. Those are amazing. But they are gag machines. Yeah. They're just sort of perfect. Yeah. And throw on top of that one froggy evening or what's opera doc? Oh, my God. Yeah. What's up? Just the look of that horse. I love that horse so much. And and, and the Grinch. They have a plushie of that horse because they should really make a plushie of that horse. Yeah. But yeah, he lived to be 89. Uh, you can find a bunch of interviews yes. with him, and they're great. I mean, he has a lot to say, very articulate about his craft. and uh, Very willing to talk, um, unlike a lot of other... It's a good run, honestly. Yeah. yeah. He made it a long time, and was it? And if you were in a major city, you probably got to hear him talk. It's just, it's just cool you got to be able to see that, because like... He was around for most of my my cartoon watching heyday. So, and he's in Gremlins. Yeah, just a wonderful dude, Chuck Jones. It is really interesting. The Grinch, Ricky Tiki Tavi, Ego, Phantom Toll Booth, like stuff beyond the Looney Tunes is really good. We are very lucky in that there's multiple art forms that were invented at a time when we have recordings for them. Like we have recordings from all the major people in the invention of animations. We have recordings of all the major people in the invention of video games. We have zero recordings from the invention of play. We Mm -hmm. have zero Mm -hmm. recordings from the inventions of paintings. You know, Ugg the caveman with his uh, really good (laughs) mammoths didn't leave a treatise on what he was trying to do, but you can listen to Chuck Jones explain what he thought about what he created. Yeah, and and, and again, it's, it's always amazing. Like Chuck Jones... He's not even like my favorite Looney Tunes guy, but he is inarguably the most innovative and influential animator that's ever lived. I think I can say that without argument. Die 2012, Yiko Ishioka? Yeah, Aiko Ishioka, 74, she is an amazing visual artist and costume designer. Mm. She did the costumes for Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's probably the thing she's best known for. Those were amazing. Those are amazing. And, and we'll be talking about that this year, he right? Looks so we will queer. be talking about this this year. Um, also, I think we're going to talk about Immortals, which is not a good movie, but the costumes are like fantastic. Was was that Henry Cavill? Maybe. No? Yeah, I think maybe it is. I don't know. I think we already talked about that. Or something. Yeah. Anyway, no, she's just an artist I find endlessly fascinating. And then also in 2012, we lost Jan Berenstain, 88. The Man, the, the, pr- the pronunciation on that has changed now that the Mandela effect has ruined us all. Berenstain, yep. Berenstain. Berenstain, yeah. Stan Berenstain passed away in 2005. She passed away in 2012. It is Berenstain. Did, did you read those books growing up? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Love yeah. those books. Yeah, I think almost everyone our age. Did. I'm not I'm not only obsessed with that. There was one book activity book I read of theirs that is just filled with falsehoods that I, I'm like slowly. <laughs> like I read a Berenstain. It was an activity book, not one of those square 16 pagers. It's just like, here's how you make a alarm clock with no money. You stick a two by four through your window, put bird seed on the end of it and a bell on the other. And that way, when the birds come in the morning to eat the bird seed, it rings the bell and you wake up. And like this, my parents were always so mad. What are you doing? This fucking board. The air conditioning was running all night. 
Uh, but it, in that same book, it was like how to tell time from a cat's eye. And just like, <laughs> was this made in the 40s? Like, that's not how a cat's eye works. Uh, but it, but like a, a cat's eye, its pupil dilation would tell you the time of day that Berenstain Bears told, told me that. And I'm just pointing this out. It is the best example of the, of the Mandela effect. Because when I went back for, I think, Cartoon Christmas, and I was finding promos for the Berenstain Bears Christmas, they say it. In the promo, correctly. We just hmm. didn't hear it. And I had the utter joy four days ago of revealing to my dad that he pronounced the Berenstain Bears wrong. And he's like, what? <laughs> now I, kn- I know you're late to this party, but like, yeah, it was never that. Never. <laughs> they had a cartoon where they, they say it correctly, which was in Canada mostly, so we didn't see it. But, uh, um, but I see. Yeah. I love uh, those bears. I really do. I love yeah. those books. How can you not? And I still have yeah. the McDonald's toys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then finally, in 2012, we lost Steve Kordak, who was kind of the inventor of most of the things we think of in modern pinball machines. He made it to 100. He's the guy who invented drop targets and multi-ball. Wow. Multi-ball. It's weird because you go to a pinball museum and you feel like pinball is older than you think it is. Yeah. But it's like huge in the 1940s and 50s, considered gambling and goes away for a long time. And then comes back to, if you're my or Diana's age and JR's age, most of your childhood has been, there's been new pinball games around. <laughs> They've been pretty, yeah. pretty the same for almost yeah. all of our lives. Kind of peaked with the Adams Family and nothing's really surpassed that. In yeah. sales, it game. literally peaked with the Adams Family, for real. That shit saved pinball. There, how many things am I going to say save something? With that out of the way, we got to figure out who was born. The birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Okay, turning seventy-five. Got another boomer. Uh, February twenty-fourth, nineteen forty-seven. He was born in East LA. Weird Al Yankovic. No. Cheech Marin. (laughs) No. Uh, Paul Rodriguez. No. Okay. No. No, but he was born in East L.A., so I had to sing, okay. sing it. It's just it's required. He was born, yeah, in L.A. two years after his dad had moved to the U.S. from Mexico. He joined the L.A. Dodgers farm team at 13 as a catcher and then quit to join a rock band. Broke his father's heart. Also, the rock band was called Pacific Ocean because it's the biggest thing on the West Coast. Oh, shit. Oh. Is it? It can't be Slash. No, um, not that old. Not, he's, he's not that old. Uh, okay, okay. So, but he moved into acting. He's not known for music. He started acting on stage. He did movies and TV. He was offered the captain role on Star Trek Next Generation. Huh. I feel like it I should know this. taken the show in a very different direction. Charlie mm. Sheen. No. <laughs> 75-year-old Charlie Sheen. Charles Bronson. No. <laughs> Whoops, speed. He was already in movies by 1947. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but he would have changed the direction Charlie of the show, Sheen's I mean. father... Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen is who I was thinking of. Yeah. Although this guy, like Martin Sheen, was arrested in Puerto Rico for protesting the bombing of Vieques Island that the Navy was doing. What yeah, did some, did some time for it. Is he dead? He's alive. No, he's alive. Okay. okay. Anyway. Not an activist. Bit of an activist. I know. Movies of his we've talked about. Hollywood Confidential, Gossip, Road to El Dorado, Triumph of the Spirit, Green Hornet. Ah, oh, these aren't really help bad. at all. <laughs> no. Not Christoph Waltz. Uh, He's no. not half Mexican. No, not even a little. <laughs> or all Mexican. Or any kind of Mexican. He probably speaks Spanish, though, because he speaks everything. Yeah. Uh, okay, keep going. JR right. doesn't know. Uh, he also does a voice in Beverly Hills Chihuahua, plays himself, and I'm still here. 
George Lopez? Nope. That's not 75. Not 75. Would it help if I said his big break was Miami Vice? Don Johnson? You guys are too young. No. no. Yeah. How about Selena? Or when he did get to be a starship captain on Battlestar Galactica? Edward oh. James almost. Is Edward James almost. A negative times a negative equals a positive? There yep. Also talked about Stand and Deliver. Obvi. Yeah. That was one of my dad's favorite movies, so I watched that a lot for some reason. Stand and Deliver. Edward uh, James almost. I, I saw the look on JR's face of you You were seeing him. You were yep. seeing him. I, I saw yep. his I face. But, I got yeah. it. Yep. Write it so, down, kids. Yep. And also was previously married to Lorraine Bracco, who we talked about in Radio Flyer. So, it such, all comes together. He was such a bad husband. He spit on his own floor. It's, uh, American me's Edward James almost. Uh, We're talking about that in a couple of weeks. Oh, I thought we already <laughs> did. Okay, shit. No, it's coming up real soon. It's one of my favorite oh, titles, of, just as a title. <laughs> American <laughs> Me. Great. That is fantastic. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks to my co-host for joining. This has been a long one, but a really fun one. And Goon. Goon, I think, is a takeaway from this episode. Check out Goon. Goon. Wanderlust. 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 Monsoon Wedding. Yes. Rare, yep, that's rare. a great week right there. Yeah, It'll we're recommending all the, the latter movies over the ones up top, which have more time to get classical status. But anyway, you want to close out with talking softball, the definitive <laughs> version we of We have to. We have to. I'm not kidding. When when the original song comes on, I get fucking pissed. Like, who would want to listen <laughs> to this version? King Crispy's fastly swollen jaw. Steve Sachs running with the love. With the love. <laughs> Ozzy and the straw. Like, that's not. <laughs> when you hear the the, uh, the original version, doesn't rhyme well. Yeah, it doesn't. And it's, it's not very good. Yeah, it's not the very good at all. version <laughs> is legitimately far superior as a song. But fuck yeah. The original artist re recording a parody. What was his name again? Yeah, I got it here. Terry Cashman. Terry Cashman from Simpsons, Homer at the Bat. Doing his own parody song, Talking Softball. Take us out of 302010, and we'll be back next week. Talking Softball, from Maine to San Diego. Talking Softball, Manningly and Conseco. Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw.